This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's time once again for a wonderful episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 30 Rackway, beautiful Bucketorium, fantastic New Windsor, Illinois. I'm Steve, and it's just me and Kurt. Yeah, just doing the intro in here. That's Kurt if you've never heard the show before. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> Uh, this podcast is one that was recorded back in October uh, while I was in Oregon on my mule deer hunt with Leupold, uh with Brandon and Mr. Lucas Burt. Um, great dude. So this one already aired on the Leupold Core podcast. We kind of did like a back and forth type episode on this, but it was one that I don't know why we didn't air it like in the moment time. <laughs> it was kind of one we've just been sitting on and this is a perfect, uh, perfect week to do it going to ata and all that so we figured we'd launch it now and it's kind of a cool recap and sort of like a bs hunting camp episode um it was fun it was a lot of fun real loose real 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 relaxed and we get into some good hunting stories yeah i I hope you enjoyed yourself i had a great time i'm i'm glad you had a good time thank you i I was busy wondering about you (laughs) i was just fine man (laughs) hey i got a uh, i got a vet shout out that i want to do yeah let's hear it let's uh, let's hop right into that so um we uh we had a, a guy message us and he wanted us to give a shout out. Um the vet shout out this week is Gus Fletcher. Um and it was our good buddy Alex Jensen sent it in here. Um he was an army soldier and uh just a couple weeks ago he uh he did take his own life. Um you know, we uh we love our vets to death and uh what I want to do right now is, you know, we're gonna take a moment of silence for this uh this guy here for a second and Thank you for your service, uh, Gus. Apparently, Alex said that he was uh, he's one of his, his cousin's friends, and just you know, this guy obviously had a big enough impact to um, make it you know make an impact on his life. You know, being being kind of that distant, not like just buddy buddy, but uh, and we're thinking about you. Thank you for your service to this country, man. You know, um, and that that veteran suicide is something that hopefully we can address in twenty twenty and see what we can maybe do to to sure. help out. But it's just it's. I mean, we love sh- shouting out our vets, but you know there is that uh, that unfortunate thing that that does happen, and we, uh, we love all you guys. So, yeah, thank you guys, everyone, for your service, and thanks for submitting that. That's 
a major bummer, but something that kind of sucks to bring up, especially in like a veteran shout out segment. But mm-hmm. I feel at times like sometimes it's like necessary and like has its place to kind of like raise yeah. awareness out of like the daily just bullshit, I guess. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get on with this uh, this episode here. Just yeah, I don't I don't want to now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, again, I, I don't want to bring down no, the mood, but uh, hey, man, it's a, it's a part of the everyday struggle. Yeah, man, it's too bad. Definitely, it's too bad. Um, the podcast is presented by uh, HHA Sports. They have a lot of sorts now, uh, and I'm just going to run through them. HHA Sports, Scent Crusher, uh, Thermoseat, uh, Victory Arrows, Loophold, uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, Elite Archery, Old Barn Taxidermy, and Hunter's Blend Coffee, and Steve was like, man, I want to get fancy with the can cooker <laughs> plug today. So I'm going to let Steve save this uh, this bad mood I'm in now and bring it up with. So if I'm a, just a redneck boy, yeah, which I think that we are, uh-huh. and I'm like, man, this can cooker is only good for chili. And right. I'm only going to make chili out of my can cooker. But but maybe I have like a nice lady over for dinner or something. Then, then what would you do like for after after chili? All right. So <laughs> for, the, for the after chili dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, I mean, which, yeah. come on. T- tell you what, and guys, uh, if you are married, you know, and you uh, want to talk your, your significant other into getting one of these, um, this is for any can cooker, so you can get either size. Guys, I'm going to tell you how you can make flan. I don't know what that is. It's we, like a fish, right? No, it's a very, very fancy dessert, a very squishy dessert. Mm. So here's what you're going to use. Squishy <laughs> you're going to need 10 egg yolks, one can 390 grams of evaporated milk, one can 390 grams uh, condensed milk, one teaspoon of vanilla extract, one cup of brown sugar, three quarters cup of water for the caramel. You hear that? 24 ounces of water for the flan. And you're actually going to need uh, four to five aluminum baking loaf pans. Now, you got to make caramel here. So in a saucepan, dissolve brown sugar and water over low heat until the color turns pale brown. Um, don't just, you know, swirl the pan around. you got to actually get in there. And cover the bottom of each, each loaf pan with caramel, all right? In a mixing bowl, combine the egg yolks, condensed milk, evaporated milk, and vanilla. Use a whisk to uh, mix gently, prevent the bubbles from forming. Remove any solids from a strainer, okay? That's very important. Pour the mixture on top of the caramel in the loaf pans and fill the pans about one to uh, inch and a quarter high, if you can. Uh, cover loaf pans with an alumin- with aluminum foil. Place the rack. Now, you got to get this from Can Cooker, and they sell it, and it's going to save your life. That rack that goes in there, add 24 ounces of water. Place loaf pans on top of the rack. Cover latch lid. Steam for about 40 to 45 minutes. Remove the loaf and let it cool at room temperature, and then refrigerate for several hours. Okay, so you're going to have to do some pre-planning. So cook your chili, so you have this done. You already have this done. Then Yeah, then you're cooking your chili. So you're not, like, doing dishes in between. No, you're not. No, you're not just scrambling. I'm, like, really hungry right now because I haven't eaten, but that actually (laughs) sounds like... Something that I'd really like. You know what? I, I, I think so. And they got a couple of tips in there, too. But uh, so you're after chili dessert or you want to convince your significant other that uh, getting a can cooker, everybody can use it. Oh, dude. You know what? I, I have the heart from my butt creepy still in the freezer. Ooh. I might try to think of some sort of like heart m- mixture of some sort I could do in the can cooker. Oh, man. You could do like braised heart or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I got to get creative, man. I got to mix it up again. I do that every once in a while. I get creative, and then I go back to like just being a bland cook. Yeah, no, I, so I need to get creative. Can cooker can help with that. They can. Anyway, thank you for that recipe, Steve. Hey, no we'll bring you that monthly can cooker recipe right here, and 
God damn it. I hope you were cooking that recipe <laughs> right along so. with us. Let us know. Send us pictures of what you cooked in a can cooker. Someone make flan. I need to do wings again. I'm overdue for that. All right. Let's get to this episode. It's a long one. We hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. Um, it's been a long time since we uh, – feels like a long time since we recorded this, but it's uh, – I'm going to listen to this on the way down to the ATA show and bring me back a little bit. Be about perfect, perfect length. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. That's the three amigos right there. Thank you for that, man. Just so you know. I need another drink. This is a joint podcast between Working Class Bow Hunter and the Loophole Core Insider Podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're going. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the podcast, man. This is internet radio. Internet radio for all those folks who like to hear the real deal, authentic stories of fans of the brand. Of Loophole and Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. I like the sound of that. It is nice. So we're kind of the host, and Brandon, you're just a tag along for this one. Oh, cool! You can be third wheel. You can be a host too. Let's be three yeah. three hosts, <laughs> three hosts with no guests. Kind of like three amigos, which we do it all the time. By the way, was what that amazing song was from. It was the tail end of it. It was good. Is my little buttercup from three amigos? <laughs> so if you haven't seen that, circa probably 1988 to 1990, we'll have to double check the stats on that. Yeah, the um, year after I was born. Yeah, you, oh, way before you were born. You have to check. I was it born out. in ninety. Yeah. yeah. When were you born? Eighty-seven. Ooh. Hey, uh, we won't ask. Lucas, <laughs> we won't you were ask. you born? <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking up the date of the seventy-three or something. You oh. have to look up the date you were born. No, no, no. The three oh. amigos. Uh, I was born in nineteen eighty. So we are in Oregon, and we are doing a, doing a mule deer hunting camp podcast. Um, it's kind of cool getting it's cool to get in the chance to record real hunting camp podcast because it doesn't happen that often. All right, what are you pulling up? Three Amigos released in 1986, a magical oh, year. Oh, the year before I was born. There you were we close. Go. Not the year after, but the year before yeah, I was born. Good, good work, good work. Which means even further away from when you were born, yes. Kurt, and closer to when you were born. That's right. Okay, so. Just a young lad over here, just a young lad. Uh, why don't you get, go, re- rewind us back You here, want me to start right? over? Yep, hey, start we're doing it. a hunting camp podcast. This go. is yeah. fun because it's rare when you get, actually get to do a camp, a hunting camp podcast. And we are in middle of nowhere, Oregon, hunting the mules. Dude. And I will say it's, it's actually really interesting because we have the greatest intention of doing more hunting caps style podcast. Yeah. But what we fail to remember every single time is that when you hunt, it's dawn to dusk mm-hmm. and you got to prep before and then you got to get stuff together after. And so eat dinner and by the time you eat dinner. Yeah. And so like this whole week, a typical morning alarms going off at four 30 in the morning. Yep. Uh, three times before you actually get up in my case, you know, the snooze button is <laughs> prominent here on my end of the bed. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, I, I would say the snooze button can help people and also destroy marriages. It is what it is. It helps me. <laughs> it hasn't hurt my marriage yet. <laughs> Regardless. Yet. Let's, we're two so, years in, though, so. <laughs> can we just, let's just take, let's just take a quick second and explain <laughs> yeah, to everyone that's good. listening here that has may not, they may not have, like, 
been exposed to this. The snooze button? B- B- no, for, I'm, no the, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have been exposed to the snooze button. It's the, but, it's the, it's the devil's playground. But you brought up a very good point either this morning or no, yesterday oh, morning of like, hey, Kurt, <laughs> if you just set your alarm for the time you actually want to get up, you'll get 20 minutes more sleep. That's true. <laughs> Instead That's true. of just hitting snooze three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times. But in my head, I think if I set it for that time, I will hit snooze eleven times before I actually get up and get out of bed. So, so I'll be late. And yeah, so this this is the fallacy of the snooze button. It gives people an excuse to I don't even know. I think just be horrible people. <laughs> Well, here's my Ouch. thing. No, no, we can go down a really dark rabbit hole here. I know. We be there, there is some mental psychology that goes on with, like, yeah. alarm goes off, you get up, you do it. There, well, there, there, there is some psychology that goes well, on with that. the thing with this is, I, to, for me personally, like, I don't consider myself a morning person. Right. But I do like to hunt. So, I, in my head, I'm, like, paranoid that I'm going to oversleep right. and miss my morning hunt. So, I'm like... So, you start 30 minutes early. I, I will gradually wake myself up because I'll get up easier than if I'm just, like, try to cold wake myself up and it won't happen. So I know you, myself. So, when you sleep... I was going to say when you sleep with a dude like lucas but that sounds really <laughs> when you sleep in the same room it's a hunting camp as it yeah as a guy like lucas over here that listen okay my plan's not perfect right instantly, I, instantly when an alarm changes. goes off there he's he a is, professional 30 minutes wakes up laying in his bed with a smile yep um i'm a morning person hashtag sorry not sorry cramping. here's the thing is that if you just if you tell yourself uh when it's time to wake up you get up like, because here, here's the deal. Yeah, I, I'm I'm tired when I when that when your alarm goes off at four thirty, and I'm like, well, you know, mine was set for five oh five. But I guess five oh five. I guess I'm getting up at four thirty this morning again. Um, I just say, okay, it's time to get up. Hey, you know what I'm upset about? That this turned into an intervention on Kurt, <laughs> and this shouldn't be an intervention on Kurt. Well, the, here's here's the deal. I I would I would probably venture to guess that I am actually in the minority of this news button. I do you are. I do believe that. I would say so. Yeah. That's the better place to be. Agree, honestly. From like a success business, right? Hey, hold on, entrepreneur. It doesn't matter because no matter what time I get up, if I if I have to be to work at whatever time, right? If I'm there at whatever time, I did my job. I got there. I'm Correct. doing what I'm supposed to do. Now, now here's the deal. No matter what, I'm my not, sleep I'm not even going to go into it. This is a deep dark hole that I've studied <laughs> a lot, actually. Because I am a snoozer. I'm a I'm a snooze buttoner. Mm-hmm. But there is a there is a specific. You're like a five minute snooze guy. Then you're up. Well, but the thing is, like, it's all about like decision making and processing throughout your day. You're setting your day up for success. Ow. If you're, why if am you're, I getting no? This is on. this is not this is not directed just towards you. This <laughs> okay. is to all the snooze button hitters out there. If you just if your alarm goes off and you just get up as much as it sucks and you don't want to. It sets your your day up for success. Correct, and there's a second component to that. Okay, so we, setting the stage. I still we, feel like subconsciously you guys are. No, th- this no. is honestly nothing towards this you. This is I'm a passive aggressive like, dig. No, these no, are no, no. hey, no. me and the working class listeners are upset because we don't want to go to our blue collar job and grind on metal all day. No, <laughs> I get this. I like because I am a snooze person as well. Yeah, and because of that, I have looked at this and like studied 
people that have been very successful business people, and this comes up very often. Mm-hmm. Second, second component. So we're sitting in a, a kitchen slash dining room right now. Kurt, if you could do me a favor, slide your chair back and peek into the room in which we share and tell me what the beds look like. <laughs> no, slide back. Just give me a quick slide back. I, I'm not going to slide back because no, it'll make noise. It's real time. <laughs> That's fake slide back now. Oh, you guys make your bed, so you're better than me. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> is that so, what the deal is? Second component to that is that, and so this was a research That's also study a done. Thing, yeah, right? it is. It's, and it so this is an intervention on Kurt all of a sudden. <laughs> no, <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe I think more about my day than making my bed, so I'm up and I'm ready to take things on. So yeah. it actually goes down to, I think it's what the military teaches, right? It's not just about, um, I'm going to screw this whole thing up, but um, order and chaos blah 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 blah. but if you start your morning with a small success that will lead to Mm. the next success so hey waking up to your alarm one first time small success making your bed small success next success shooting a giant mule deer wow Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm just saying look at him how many more times do you think that's gonna this turned around on us all this turned around on me the most but it just turned around on you too brandon yeah how many (laughs) so now we're Upset yeah. with Lucas. Well, no, 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 no. I'm just saying that. Hold on. What are we doing here? We are. This, first this, of all, this went so far off. Everyone that thinks that like I was cool and now thinks I'm no longer cool. Like I haven't. Apparently, I have no goals. I can't hold a full time job. My podcast is terrible because I didn't make my bed and I hit the snooze button two times before I get up. Hey, maybe I'm just thinking about the bigger picture in life, and I don't give it. I'm going right back in the bed. I'm going to sleep the same way I did the night before. No, we we get it, and I'm just sure. saying on day six. You know what I, I do? I get up, and I kiss my wife because I love her, and I say, honey, you have a great day, and I give my child a hug, and I go to work, and I kill it. And I go back to the same bed, and I sleep, and I snore a little. <laughs> <laughs> Belly or back. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that, guys. Okay, so. I'll do better next time. Okay. <laughs> So we've gone down. So, so that we're setting the stage, right? So it yeah. all starts with the fact that, oh wow, that rabbit hole this big. Um, we should talk about that. We're in Oregon. Well, so we, yeah, we're we're in Oregon. Most people have best laid plans on doing podcasts, day by day podcast mm-hmm. on these hunts. Hunting camps are great. Um, it gives you a chance to really get to know people very quickly. You get yep. you go through ups and downs. There's a lot of turmoil. There's blood, sweat, tears, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Hunting Most together brings people together very fast, too. However, what we always fail as content creators, we always fail to remember, is that 4.30 in the morning until 8 o'clock at night is exhausting. Yeah, but it's hard to go day. to bed last night. Well, well, last Midnight? night, twelve thirty. Yes, but that, but that was because there was a oh, a shot and a kill. A kill. Yeah. We'll get and to then, that. We'll yep. get to and that. then there was a pack out, and there was moonlight, and it was very yeah. dramatic. But what to what <laughs> Lucas is saying though? Because in my head, I'm like, we're going, we're gonna have hunting camp right. all the time in the world, right? I'm eight podcasts will get done. This is number two. This is number two. <laughs> the whole and the, and we're done tomorrow. Yeah. So it's. It, but we're hunting hard, though. Like we're not, mm-hmm. we're not going to. And stand hunting can be an exhaust. It's a different type of exhaustion. It's more of like a mental type right. exhaustion. This is a very both a little bit. I'd say it's yeah. physical and mental um, in this type of terrain for my Midwest people. Yeah. So this is great. Um, why don't we actually just jump in for you then, Kurt? Because yeah. you're you're a Midwest dude and mm-hmm. you're used to doing stand hunting. You're used to like crushing whitetail on the daily. Yeah. Um, bow on the daily yeah um so you've come out west now for the first time uh, especially for mule deer yeah, um, yeah and so how does this experience really compare um from an emotional standpoint a physical standpoint 
all those all those things combined like yeah what is this compared to your normal daily and life probably the hunting. toughest time to bow hunt a oh, mule deer jeez so, well, I, so which, which yeah. i didn't realize the so, hard yeah. like literally the Ooh, hardest time late, of the so, so late september year. to middle october they're like mm, good luck so so like like they're kind of getting out of their summer patterns right, right. they're not rutting so let me build into that then so let me start yeah. like so for a midwestern dude coming out here is one i will add like from and i guess i can't speak for everyone i would say from my mindset and my friends um that i'm close with that are all like passionate bow hunters mule deer's on the bucket list um and i wouldn't say strictly just for, as a bow hunting standpoint i would say just mule deer in general bow or gun or whatever is on the bucket list elk of course is on the bucket list and i'd say antelope is in the mix somewhere like those are the three western game that we think about oh it'd be so cool to go out there and do it. So I was, I was really excited to just have the chance to come out and pursue mule deer, especially in like the high country like this, because most times guys from the Midwest get like the closest mule deer state, which is probably like Nebraska, South Dakota, which isn't necessarily a high elevation. Mm -hmm. And it's not as like rugged as what this is. Right. In central Oregon, we're sitting here anywhere between four to 500 and 6,000 feet ish. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, you're probably looking at a middle high country, but it has that high desert sort of topography. So it's yeah. going to, it's going to feel very similar to a central Montana. It's going to feel very similar to yeah. a Colorado. The elevation might be um, a little lower. Yeah, but two or three thousand feet lower. But your topography is going to be very, very similar yeah. from a, the steepness of the terrain, the type of rock, and the, you know, yep. the junipers and that sort of stuff. Yeah, the, just like the tree species is different from what we have. I mean, we have some like some like similarities, but and mostly stuff like hardwood the, stuff, right? Yeah, like we have a lot like just thick timber. Like the timber here is not like when you guys uh, when I was with some of the guides out here, they're like, oh yeah, the, in the woods. When I looked down, I'm like, that, this is open for Illinois timber, you know, it's thick hardwoods, which is a beautiful thing. Like a big Illinois or Iowa or Indiana, Wisconsin, heavy horn, rutted out whitetail tromping through the frosted leaves and the, and the heavy timbers. That's like, that's what we dream about in the Midwest. That's, that, that's it. Well, here it's a lot different. Like you want to find a big muley bedded on a rim rock and just in the perfect spot where you can stalk them with a bow or get in and get a close shot with a rifle or whatever it might be. Um, so that that whole aspect, like the style of hunting is different. It challenges you from big time from a mental standpoint, but I say more so for for me personally, I don't climb hills like this in Illinois. There is some, but like this is insane compared to anything at home. So for me it was more physically and I would say that the one thing that got me through it is if you don't really want to be successful or really kill you're not going to have a great time. I, and I'm not in the best shape. I could, I could have came out here in way better shape, like hit the stair supper and whatever, but I know I have the mental edge and it's going to change as I get older. I'm going to have to prep more. I have the mental edge to want to get it done. So that's what kind of pushes me through and hunt harder. Whereas if you don't have that at home, you better be in damn good shape to be able to get up some of these hills to get after it. So it's kind of like, know yourself, be realistic with yourself. If you're coming out to this terrain, and that's how you have to tackle it, really. It's just way different. So then uh, why don't you walk us through a little bit then. You, so you came out and you said, hey, I'm going to bow hunt this thing. My fan base is bow hunters. Like, yeah. That's my core. I haven't, I've never actually killed a big game animal with a rifle. Um, never. Mu yep, muzzleloader excluded. Um, and so I'm going to come and I'm going to do this thing with a bow. Uh, so 
walk, why don't you walk us through the last handful of days and, and, and how that whole thing evolved? Yeah, so I don't know if this is a six or seven day hunt. I, I've like lost lost count <laughs> at this point. It just kind of yeah, you know, together. It, it has because we've, we've yeah, hunted so we're hard. In it, we're in at five right now. Feels like eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it would feel more like five though if we if we if we could we lost a half hour sleep of every single day if we got that half hour back. <laughs> Good point. If I would have made my bed, we would have got some shit. Done. Valid point. <laughs> So imagine yeah. the buck he would have killed if he would have made his bed. Oh my yeah. god! So, <laughs> so I started out bow hunting, and I told everyone that I was going to start bow hunting um, after these mule deer. And the guides looked at you, by the way, and they said <laughs> they went. Mm. I felt a oh, little bit okay. of like, dang it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, oh. But I didn't understand why, though, because right. Right. Um, one area we're hunting, I feel, is a good area. Um, I did kind of get the vibe. Once I started bow hunting, that this area has it's been fairly pressured. Like the the deer know it's hunting season, you know it's they're aware of it, which makes it even tougher in the big country like this, right? To get close with a bow, um, but I gave it my my effort, man, with the bow, and I got real close. I drew back on one and had a doe bust me, which is on on film. Brandon was with me filming, and um, I think we we dialed in a buck um, that was a decent buck. Um, especially for a guy who's never killed a mule deer, I'm just like, it'd be cool to get, just get a mule deer, you right. know? Um, but basically we ended up fine tuning it. We found this pinch point on a mountain and, uh, Brandon came with, he, he, we'll get into this story, but he got freed up and he came in and filmed me. And I had this, I came in the night before and I'm like, Hey, I got this game plan. We think these deer are going to funnel right through. And they did, they did that. And it's, they're so hairpin wiry at the, like here at this point, especially with the bow that, it's it's nuts. So walk us then walk us through that morning then too because that, uh, huh? you know I yeah I did have a chance to look at that video and it was it was pretty cool. Uh, a yeah. I think it's it's sweet that within a, two well, days yeah within two days you're able to you know find a handful of deer, do a quick pattern on them and say yeah. okay hey how can we get the best chance because I mean bow is way different than rifle would do yeah. with a rifle you can shoot something from 500 yards away with a bow you I mean you've got to be within 50 right. for the most part and so it's a completely different ball game. So yeah. uh, how did that all come together? So uh, me and Gordy went up. Um, we actually saw a buck down feeding off just off this, uh, just off a hay field, working up with his does, and we realized they were going up this draw. And I don't know this area, so I'm warning this area as we're going through it. So we go up around the correct wind side for the deer so they don't smell us, and we run up the mountain, and this deer is like two minutes ahead of us to where I'm like, oh, like just behind him. Can't get up to him. He's with all his does. They're doing their thing. You can't catch up to a mule deer in this country. Like, with a bow, if he's on the other side of the ridge, 500 yards, he's gone. Yeah. With a rifle, it's, he's typically gone, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, they're crazy. So I said, I was like, okay, let's do a little bit of scouting, because they came up through this draw and took this ledge just above this rim rock, and we found out it was, like, the perfect pinch point. And so what we did was... We said, okay, if the wind's going this way, we have this juniper tree that we'll dive in. Or it was a big cedar, I think, actually. We'll dive in on this tree. Over here, we'll cut up a bunch. There's nothing over on if the other. Well, so, okay, I guess I should go back. There's a cattle trail that splits up the middle of this pinch. So we're going wind direction on each side of this cattle trail. So I found a good tree on the north end of the cattle trail that was perfect. And if the wind was going the other way, we made a little brush blind behind another little cedar. And to preface that, like being here for the last five or six days, the wind I don't think has ever been consistently no. in any – it has swirled the entire – 
entire time, yep. which is hard enough for whether you're hunting rifle or yep. not. But when you're hunting bow and Dude. that wind is swirling, it is it is no joke. The it, wind puffer was difficult. in full tilt. Yeah. Like mine's wore out. I'm not to you, get you, you, you puff You puff the wind puffer and it turns into a tornado. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. You, you remember when we were out there and Kurt literally goes, and it went straight up. I'm not <laughs> yeah. kidding you. It didn't go forward, backwards, <laughs> left, or right. It literally went And I'm like, well, up. there's worse things. So. Yes. <laughs> so Never seen that one before. I come into camp, maybe a, maybe a little... I mean, confidence is good right in hunting because it, right. it, it makes you... So I come in, I'm like, I think we got an awesome game plan. This is going to be great. They're, I'm hoping they come back through this pinch and they come done feeding with that alfalfa field. We go in in the morning in the dark and wait them out like they're white tails. And Brandon's with me. He probably thinks I'm full shit and thinks I'm crazy and whatever. So we're, we're behind this little homemade ground blind. He's got his, his camera, and I'm with a bow, and I already feel kind of exposed. Like, I don't know. You felt like it was good when you made it, but then you're setting up. You're like, ooh, there's some holes in this game a little bit. But that's what it is. So we're sitting there, and yeah, this is like day two or three. I'm, I'm, I can't remember. It's all mixing together. And then we see way over on the other, like, mountain uh, across the drainage a huge herd of elk. And I've only seen elk in the wild one time. And Brandon spots them. Dude, there's a bunch of elk over there. They work their way down. I mean, 70 yards from us. Yeah, I'm like a kid in a candy store. That's my jam. It's the first time I had an elk bugle within 70 yards. The bull's, like, raking a tree. It was crazy. And... Elk are noisy animals, man. I could not believe it. Yeah. And the whole time you're looking at me when they bugle, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've never even experienced anything. like Not that close. I've it, heard them bugle, but not that close. You can hear close. them walking 350 yeah. yards away. And this this isn't like yeah. hardwood leaves, no. like crunchy leaves. Yeah. This they're is up in the rocks. wide open like grass and yeah. rocks, and, and they're just... It, it's crazy how loud they are. Mm-hmm. They're that big of an animal. I feel like there's just a confidence that comes with their movement. But... When you are hunting them and you're close and they want to disappear, never make a sound. It's yep. crazy. Incognito. It's it's funny because See. I've never experienced an elk encounter that close. So hearing them like, because I heard them off way off and I thought something was close because right. I could hear I'm like, something's, he's like, oh no, there's elk up there. You can hear them just like knocking rocks off the mountain and mm-hmm. clip clop, clip clop, like moving through, yep. bugling. Lucas yeah. has never seen them that close either. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, were we just hating on each other on this podcast? <laughs> so what's funny about this, getting back to the story, what's funny about this is it's cold. It's the coldest morning. I'd say probably the whole trip, right? So right. far? Yeah. And we're kind of, we're sitting on, we don't have chairs. We're sitting on our knee, we're on our knees, sitting on our feet, which makes things worse yeah. a little bit. And, and then and we're, we're talking, it's upper thirties, low forties. Yeah. That sort of but up on like a mountain with the wind yep, and stuff. Yeah, the wind comes sickling through. So yeah. what's funny is the elk are being loud, doing their thing. And we're kind of like watching them. I'm oohing and on. And then all of a sudden Brandon's like, cause he's over off the side a little bit. So he can see past a tree. He's like, oh, there's a deer. They're up on the same mountain, but. 100 yards below lower than the elk probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know how deer mule deer especially act to elk like are the elk gonna push them out back down the mountain or what's gonna happen they're basically bros yeah yeah they were bros and so the elk moved and through. sisters there were a couple sisters in there the elk moved through and i'm like okay well the deer are gonna be right behind them and they were and right away head mama is up front and she's just not 
she I think she's caught me peeking to see because I wanted to be ready in in order to draw. And right away I'm like, Mama sees us. It's not good. But she came in anyway. You know, we kind of tucked behind. Yeah. She, Mama comes in all proud. She comes in like 30 yards ahead of the rest of them. And I'm just like, not good, not good. She kind of gets behind us, and then the buck rolls in. He was yep. a good three-point. Um, I'm wearing a six-pointer for everybody in Illinois. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm learning the terminology. Three-point comes in, and I'm like, hey. for And I know I've realized real quick how hard this is, yep. especially in this type of hill country. Because your first couple of days, you had some near misses, but you, it's like you, you realize that you, yep. it, it ain't it ain't easy to get close. Nope. And these deer, there's probably head mom was way ahead. Now she's like kind of behind us. And on the cattle trail, there's the three-point I was going to shoot, another little buck, and... Uh, how, how many does you think? Eight, eight does, six does. Yeah, there was like six to eight does and two bucks. Yeah, and and they're feeding like normal, and I'm like other than the head one. mama. So I draw back as soon as I ro- my cams roll over and I'm full draw. <laughs> mama doe behind us blows those deer. Snap of a finger, the fastest I've ever seen yeah. deer react. At the exact and same all time. Exact. And it, we looked at that footage, yeah. too. We have it in slow motion. In slow motion. I, it, I've it's never different. seen as many animals react at the same time as much as that. And yeah. it was, they gone. It was yeah. the craziest, fastest reaction I've ever seen. And it wasn't even like a major spook. It's not like I coughed. It's not like it was, and when I drew my boat, I felt like it was pretty fluid. Like I was real slow and drew back, and yeah. no, all the deer that were in front of us that should have seen us didn't see us. Right, and I'm like, right when I get to where I'm getting ready to anchor, they're gone. They're up there. Yeah, yeah they never made a move. The problem was is that that, that doe. lead doe yeah. had if, circled all the way back around us, and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye, and like, there's nothing you could have done. No. Yeah. Like, I they was, were there. Besides me, they were in the, the shooting morning. lane. <laughs> yeah, I could have done that. That would have made the difference. <laughs> Shoot, and, yeah, that doe probably would have just but laid ment- down. <laughs> mentally, in my head, I was trying to like think of like what could I have done right. differently. Nothing. And Brandon's like, dude, there's nothing. nothing we could have right. done. Literally, uh, yeah, uh, the, there was no element in that situation that you could have controlled yeah. to do differently. Right. Like, we set up in the right place for the right wind, built a blind the night before. Yeah. And that's and that's yada, why yada, people, yada, you know, like, people always go blah 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 blah. It's hunting, not killing, and but and like, and that's and that's a stereotype. But that's true. What I mean, at the same time, you can make all the right decisions, yeah. and it just doesn't work like, out. Right. Yeah, literally, like if she would have just been with the pack and not, I would have killed thirty yards ahead of the rest of the group. Yeah, or if the buck <laughs> would have came through first. Like, there's so many different scenarios that could have went differently. And you would have killed one yeah. but with what a bow. Was, what was really cool, yeah. though. But it that, happened to be that situation. Yeah. yeah. But, and then just replaying the whole thing, though. And, and again, you'd been here for like a day and a half. And you'd found a couple of places where there was opportunity. Yeah. You had a perfect setup for that opportunity. You had a plan A and a plan B, knowing that the wind was swirling. You set up yeah. strong for your plan A. And you were able to get drawn back on a buck at 30 yards or 40 yards, yep. whatever it was, after being here for two days you so close. Which yeah. is, that, that's that's which is a super lot, cool. That's a so, lot of successes. Yeah, that's a lot of successes in a short amount of time. Yeah, which yeah. is super cool. So, like, what I want to know is because I'm like I grew up out west in Idaho, and like I've never sat in a tree stand to yeah. hunt whitetail. How much 
similarity is there also to that like, situation? Right. Yeah. Like, like I was super impressed. Like just, you know, I kind of sit back and yeah. not say a lot, but listen to like the things that you're saying and explaining like about, okay, here's where they're feeding. Here's where they're bedding. The, this is the pinch point. Right. Dude, you've only hunted a day and a half. You've never seen this land in your life, but in that amount of time, you had broke it down to where these deer were traveling. Yeah, it's very. And you were able to right? put a yeah. You were able to put a plan together, mm-hmm. and at that point, it like it didn't work out in that moment. But that that's the start of it. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't on you. That was just the fact that there just happened to be one doe that was. Yeah, and if you extrapolate that thinking over the course of an actual full season, well, and in Oregon too, they yeah they don't love to give you a full season. They give you like seven days because they're like, oh, good luck, which makes but, you um, figure stuff out faster, yeah. you know. But if you can ex- if you can extrapolate that over a full season, yeah. your chances of success are going to be greater. Yeah, just yeah. a lot of thinking like going involved. The just the core understanding of deer movements right yeah well i think the difference is um like in like kind of where you're going with like, yeah, like tree the, stand hunting yeah and there's differences between whitetail and mule deer no yeah, doubt but, definitely definitely but and i don't the, even know all understanding the of like the necessities of yeah i an think animal. i think what makes you like with bow hunting what it made me do initially and like kind of like what my core is of like hunt like no my understanding of bow hunting is you can't just like walk through a ridge and find one you have to almost like spot them and then understand how they move. And, and that's like the, for the most part, like being super general, that's like kind of how tree sand hunting is, you know, like, cause I know you're going to hunt in Ohio and get in a tree stand yeah. for the first time. And Lucas, you said you've never been in a tree stand cause I've, you live killed, out West. Yeah. And I've killed multiple whitetail. Just, it's just never been from a tree stand. It's just different circumstance, right. different area, which I think is so interesting and super mm-hmm. cool because most of the working class listeners who are listening on our end of this show, they're all almost all tree stand hunters. Or I bet you ninety nine point nine percent of them have been in a tree stand. And if you haven't, shout out to you, man. Try. Hopefully, you get to try it one time and and have an awesome awesome experience. But you almost have to kind of play Miss Cleo and predict the future a little on like what they're gonna do because you're almost like in an ambush situation, right? Or you're trying to predict movement, which makes you really like evaluate like evaluate what's going to happen and a lot of it is guess and check and i I think a lot of guys fail to admit that they're like i don't really know i'm gonna go sit here we'll see if they come through but that's when you learn the most so then comparatively though so you have you have let's say five days here Mm -hmm. um how long does it then take you to guess and check back on your home ground versus when you're in a what, what i would assume is a much more condensed timeline here I think the big difference is the terrain because here it's wide open country and there's so there's so much for those deer to go to and hide in. Like a mule deer will hide up on rim rock or up on the huge cliff face in a in like a a cutout in the cliff or or in a bunch of juniper trees. It's just they have the same destination, but there's five different finger draws yeah. that get them to that same yeah. destination. Or like from the, the same from prin- one field. They have the same principle. Yeah. Right. Like Where in that, Illinois, it's kind of like they're bedding their food and like their, I guess, I guess what you would call their like, uh, their safe space cover, like where they go, there's like bad storms or something, you know, high wind where they go to a deep ravine. All that's like fairly condensed, but that's also what makes them slippier and trying to figure them out because even though it's all so close, you feel like, why am I not seeing these deer? But they still get past you. But I just feel like you have a smaller area which can also be way more frustrating because you're like, why am I not seeing deer? And here it's kind of like 
I can see why I'm not seeing deer because there's so much ground. Right. So it's different. It's just so different. I, I don't really know. There's just it, there's so much difference. I think you just have to, for all my Midwest hunters, you'd have to just come experience it. It's insane. So you so you're here for <clears throat> you were here for let's just say a day and a half, maybe it was two days, yeah. and you set up the, the great pinch point. Uh, yeah. It all actually came together very very well. Yeah. You're at full draw. You're probably five seconds away from from tagging out with a bow in Oregon yeah. on a mule deer for your first time. Which I will add, when that, I got to Oregon, everyone was like, "Good luck," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they know what time yeah. of year it is. Right. It's a different time yep. of year than and, early or season, yep. you know. And that doe goes, mm, mm, nope, not today. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything busts out. So then, so what, what was your next steps after that? Trying to find one bedded really after that. And we just didn't. We, we saw some okay deer. But my, like my ideal situation was like, hopefully we can find one bedded on a ledge and I can right. sneak around with the wind. We just never did. And we covered some ground. I think I did close to 50 miles on this trip. And for me, that is insane especially with these hills. Like we were talking before this podcast, like I wish when your phone calculated or on it, well, Onyx might, I don't know how that works, but I wish it calculated like the grade that you walked on and calculated it like a range finder, give you like real miles or effort miles traveled. Mm -hmm. I think we were calling them. Um, But I think you did that same too, this trip. You probably did almost 50 miles too, mid forties. Right. And I, and I didn't walk on a single piece of flat land. Like There's I, not I, flat I, land here. No, I was going up or down the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like 50 miles is like halfway across the state of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> um, a long ways, no, probably across. Yeah, I probably walked two hours from my home. Yeah, not north-south, but I'm talking like east-west. <laughs> yeah. like I'm I-9. in Indiana at this point, just like trucking along probably. Hey, here's a question I had. How... So... I don't want to make this podcast just about me. I want to get on no, no, the whole story. No, 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 you're but the, you're the first third. We're building up. But building like up. you haven't. Yeah. Do we have a timeline? No, no. the podcast is young. It's gonna be 18 hours okay. long. So <laughs> it's a marathon. Welcome. I'm actually. I'm feeling more alive the more we talk. So it's good. This is your first time hunting mule deer, right? Ever. Okay. So how different was it to see a mule deer spook and then run like? 50 or 60 yards and then stop and turn broadside and look at you. That to me is weird. So I have buddies that like my South Dakota, South Dakota buddies uh, from Buckstorm. They told me like, Hey, you're going out there. Like you'll notice that mule deer, when they spook, they're not as edgy as whitetail. Um, I felt like these deer were a little different and, and maybe my analysis is wrong, but I feel like they've been pressured a little bit. Like there's been, there's rifle hunters here. There's, right. there's people out here walking around and doing that. So I feel like they were a little spookier than what I thought, but yeah, mule deer will run and then stop and look when whitetails are just like, nope, I'm, I'm gone. And they yeah. will just put their heads down and go. Yeah. They're just like, I'm yep. getting out of here as far away as possible. Or mule deer just like. Well, hold on. I wonder what that is. And they stop and look. And I yeah. will tell you, too, that I actually only had that happen one time for me in, during this hunt where they actually stopped and looked. Which says a but, lot about maybe their pressure. You yep. Know? All the other ones were like, mm. but it also, too, we, we were in some patchy temper, too. They might have they might have stopped just out of view, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't, at, for me personally, it wasn't as noticeable. I also saw a lot less deer than all you guys. Yeah. Do you like, think a lot less? Do you think <laughs> if they stopped you at that time and take your safety off? Maybe. Okay. We'll get into that later. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think they're just different. There's a lot that I feel that I know about whitetails, and sometimes when you feel you know stuff about whitetails, I go and prove you're wrong <laughs> like the, a minute later. But they're just different. I, 
Like they I was are just different. Talking to people in camp, like, well, like when I drew back on that buck and that doe busted, I was talking to some of the guys in camp, and I'm like, do you think they'll be there tomorrow? Because on a whitetail, I probably wouldn't think about going back there, but I'm contemplating going back there, which we did, and they didn't. They went. I think they went a different direction. Well, um, it seemed like a lot of them bedded just. Well, the wind earlier. was different, so that pinch didn't work for them. Yeah. Um, which sometimes you don't even know that till you get up on the mountain because the wind right. on top of the mountain is different from what it's doing in the flats. Yeah. So and it and it, wind was a bugger this last week. It was. The, I, I've actually I've never had so much difficulty with wind. Like it's usually semi predictable. This yeah. last week, I I threw my hands up and I said, you know what? I made my bed this morning. I cannot control the wind. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Even I, I will make everybody's bed in camp. This wind still was just like. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's fair. Well, well, the thing that was weird about the wind here, even if it's strong, it's still messed up. Normally you're like, I want a good wind because it stays like fairly consistent. Right. But when we were today, when we were on top of the mountain, like the wind was good. Then we get up there and I'm like, it's like the somebody shut the wind off for like a three minute span and then it fires up and then it feels, you can't ever really tell where it's coming from. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But so uh, should we tr- should we talk about a transition now? We, we're not going to finish Kurt's storyline. We're going to we, well, yeah, we're going to leave people in suspense. No, no, that's what I mean. Like, should we should we go into his transition? Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but it's kind of it's kind of has the gap for your guys' stories to come back into tuition here. Okay, so then why don't we why don't we we we're going to press pause in your transition? You had a first couple of days, a lot of success, but mostly failure. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and so, meanwhile, well, let me dun, say, dun, dun, dun. let's tease this though, a little bit. And maybe I'm giving too much away. Maybe I should shut up. But what I was going to get to is like the um, the roots that were planted to my transition before I made my transition. I'm trying to get everyone telling you you were an idiot for trying to kill him with a bow. Yes, <laughs> but I believed in, you. in the big country. You, we all, you, you be- we all believed you, in you. You didn't one day, but then you did the next day when I had a plan. Yeah, well, because plans are great. You had phenomenal <laughs> skills. You made your bet that morning. <laughs> the, the problem was is that you were trying to kill a mule deer with a bow, and literally the in- toughest time to try to kill a mule deer. Yeah. In Oregon. So yeah. Late September yeah. through the middle of October again is not great. Even, it's not even archery. Even season. some of the it's dudes in season. camp that were like bad, what I consider bad mofos, were like, "Ooh," <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, this ain't looking good for the home team, boys." Kurt's like, "Yep, I'm gonna try to kill one with a bow during rival season." <laughs> so, <clears throat> first mistake. So we're paused on Kurt. Then is that, that we've decided? Yeah. So Kurt we'll said he's had a couple of great days. Yeah. Um. And but just not didn't quite connect. And meanwhile, Brandon. Oh, we're going to me. Yeah, you're coming in hot. Yeah, because you were the next like, guy in line. Yeah, and so and so, I mean, because I'm first hitter quitter. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. So, professional fisherman out here. Just so, yeah. So first off and foremost, if we have not, um, if you didn't listen to the working class the working podcast. class podcast, yeah, you go back and listen. Let, to we we haven't really actually working class bow on our podcast for you guys listening on the loophole end. Correct, and we just haven't really officially introduced Brandon. So why don't you just give us a quick. Uh, hey, I'm Brandon. Give us the Wikipedia version of who you are. Yeah, and but not the one that people can go in and edit to make you sound like wickedly weird, but like more like the actual one that was like crowdsourced checked. Okay. Yeah, I can do it. And then I'll and then I'll add some <laughs> color commentary on like I'll just make some stuff up for yeah, you too. Typical. Like Wikipedia. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so basically ignore what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh Brandon Polonick. Grew up out here in the west, northern Idaho. A couple hours south of the Canadian border, so 
grew up hunting, fishing out here, uh, and actually turned my passion of fishing tournaments into a living. So now I fish professionally. I've done that the last nine years. Haven't had to work a normal job. I'm proud of that because I've never wanted to work a nine to five. So, what about um, an eight to four? Yeah, no, I'm not into any of that. <laughs> oh, I got four tens. I, 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 re- I really like to uh, <laughs> be my own boss and be in charge of my schedule, even though I don't technically get to say where I get to go fish every week. That's inspiring. It's though, still, man. Uh, you're fishing. Yeah, I mean it. Eight years old, I said. I want to add something in, and I don't know if I did this on the other show we did. Yep. I found it inspiring and very uh, refreshing when I talked to you. And you, there's a river down here. You're like, man, I want to fish that. And I was like, hold on. Do you still find fishing enjoyable, like, on your own time? And you're like, oh, I love it. I can't get enough. And that alone, right there, says a lot about how you deserve to be in the space you're in. Yeah, I mean, like, I truly love the outdoors. And Mm -hmm. it's not... For a guy that like, fishes for his living and you still enjoy fishing outside of fishing for a living, says a lot about the kind of person like it, you are. It's literally, it's like, it's in my nerves, it's in my blood, it's, it's in awesome, my man. soul. Like, And the the cool thing is, like, we're right here close to the John Day River, mm-hmm. and that's a river that I've read about a lot. Oh, really? Like Bassmaster magazines and articles online and different things, and so... When I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, I'm here to kill mule deer, but I've read a lot about that river, and I know it's got smallmouth in it, and I kind of want to fish Let me it. ask you this before we get into your story. Would you rather fish that river or, or hunt a mule deer? Nah, this week I'd probably rather hunt a mule deer. That's fair. Yeah, I get that. I've been fishing nine months already this year, so. I get that. I was I, ready to hunt. I got some weird information on that river, too, though. <clears throat> Is, uh, no information allowed. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'd love you to hear information. It. What do you got? So it was actually full of, of salmon for a really long time. <clears throat> and then they actually introduced smallmouth to that river because they were like, hey, we, this is a it's a cool species and it's going to totally work out for us in the long run. Yeah. Uh, anybody can fact check me on this one because I I obviously just heard it from someone who sounded like they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> so this could – I'm regurgitating. Dude, that's my favorite type yeah, of information. I am regurgitating <laughs> information. Um, but so it was, I get a bunch of angry comments, right? So (laughs) this is wrong. (laughs) So if I am lying to you, I apologize. I'm regurgitating things that I have heard, but I did not read it on the internet. Not Wikipedia or Wikipedia. So, um, full of salmon. And then they're like, Hey, smallmouth are great fish too. introduce smallmouth. Then they just murdered all the salmon. And so now there's like very, the smallmouth. I'm sorry. They munched on them a lot. No, we shouldn't. That's wrong. Is that bad? It's against well, fish politics, what oh. you're doing. No, the, there's a big issue right now in the Northwest. Oh, with, there is? Yeah, like Washington, they just took all the limits off smallmouth. Oh, so that's what they did here. Like, we can go down another really dark, deep rabbit hole. Well, let's not but go yeah, all the way took, down. They let's took all the limits off the smallmouth because they think they're killing the salmon small. Yeah, that's what they're doing here, but, too. you know, there's a lot of really good economic money that comes in from bass fishing tournaments. So you in a river, though? Yeah. River. Well, John Day's probably... But we're mm. we're in, like, the... Like, so so one, one thing that's really interesting in the Northwest is, like, native versus invasive species. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really around the entire Everywhere, country. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. But it's really hardcore in the Northwest because gotcha. salmon species, trout species are more fragile. 
right. species. Very sensitive. Um, than, is a bass than, more like hardy? Bass. I don't know anything yeah, about fish. Yeah, 100%. Like, okay. Very aggressive, like, too. You can, yeah. grab, you can grab a trout. And <laughs> I love trout fishing. I grew up around it. But you can grab a trout, and they might die. Because like, your they're, hand oils or something. They're, like they're just a more fragile fish. Like they're, they're like they're, they're not like as hardy. Bighorn, but sheep. They like, but they're they're like a smallmouth is like you can grab them, whatever. Like you handle them, they're fine. They just swim off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so the, there's like this big battle, but somewhere there's a fine line. Battle I'm not, I'm not like with people and the debate of it. Yeah, just between like. So I, I immediately regret two, got two different. Yeah, groups, I immediately regret opening up a door to something that is potentially. Hey, if you like, made your bed a little it's better, it's very controversial. <laughs> yeah, I, it's very controversial like, because there's no limits on smallmouth. It's already no. hindered. And there's the, not. And there's not here either. They're like, hey, yeah. just catch what you can catch. I did not realize yeah, that. That's interesting. I like, thought. I it, thought in my head when I heard the when I heard the conversation, I was like, oh, that's an interesting. Like, hey, we thought we were doing something good. Now we did something bad. Now we're going to correct it by something that's not necessarily good. But you know what? Hi. Do not want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of conversation <laughs> and, there between like so we're back hatcheries, yeah. natural, blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah. from a fish guy, so. um, I retract my previous statement. If I was a judge in a courtroom, I would say, "Jury, please do not use that as actual testimony. You're just, you're just stricken from there, the Sean Connery, yeah. Zach." <laughs> and so back to you would rather mule deer hunt instead of fish. I would. I was right complimenting now. him I want, on I how he still both. enjoys fishing. It is a really pretty river, though, by it's, the way. Yeah, it's beautiful. I want I'm, to swim in it. Yeah. I am passionate about both. And the cool thing with the John Day is it does not look like a bass river. Right. That's what intrigues me the most. It looks like a straight-up trout fishing yeah. Well, and that's a creek. distributory. Yeah, that's a fork of, fork of the yeah. main John Day. Not a spoon, though. Mm. So. No. Not a, not a, a spoon. Fork. Not a fork. Well, it, it is a fork. fork. It's not a spoon or a spork. It's a fork. There we go. Up the river. Okay. And uh, but but I would I would prefer to to hunt um, right. right now. Right now. Now the best time. I'm going to say that I w- wouldn't like to do both. At, but so there are there are units in Oregon where um, they're not super accessible, and so a lot of folks will actually. Uh, Rent drift boats, roll down the John Day mm-hmm. to hunt on the bank. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Sounds pretty rad. So, so you fish cool. like on your way to hunt. There we go. Yeah. So look that one up. Mm. Right. Cool. Again, sounds like sounds like the next loophole hunt. Yeah. Need to go on. And in all fairness, set that up. I, I might have made that up too. <laughs> I, <laughs> Wikipedia. Hey, you you should investigate that more. Set that up. Yeah, because I'd like to learn how to fish, and uh, I don't know if I'll get invited back. But hey. If you like being, we can up. do that. Get on that stair stepper, <laughs> dude. Oh. Dude, you, yeah, kid. I'm gonna get a. Um, he oh, said it. He said it earlier. The Peloton bike. Bad. Have you seen those? Yeah, I rode one the other day. Are they awesome? Uh, they're like a, a normal bike. They just tell you when to go faster or slower. But I thought you do like classes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they tell you when to go faster or slower. Oh, I see what you do. Add yeah. a little extra pressure. Yeah, I think screen. that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I sweat a lot. <laughs> well, no, we 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 had. Uh, talked about this earlier is as much as i would like to be a turtleneck i'm a sweater <laughs> no i'm a sweater can't help it <laughs> oh my gosh no it's a cardigan but thank you for noticing yes. <laughs> so back to brandon oh. <clears throat> so you wanted to come so, here you wanted to hunt so i i think the biggest thing for me is like i i spend a large amount of my life fishing tournaments 
whatever it may be. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. But there's also a, a part of hunting that, that like that adventure and yeah. that, that getting away part that I feel like is good for your soul. For sure. Yeah. Like it, it, it takes you back and it allows you, or for me personally, it allows me to reflect on a lot of things yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't take that for granted. Like I really love those moments. Um, and, and it's all aspects of it. It's, it's not the just pulling the trigger part or right, yeah. the release of the bow. It's all aspects of it. You it's know, like the it's, adventure. It's, of yes. It. The yeah. preparation is the adventure. It's the pack out. It's, it's the camaraderie amongst your buddies. Like, Cause I, I will say too here to like to add into what you're saying is yeah. and we, we have not met before this trip. If, if people listening don't realize this, like we met on this hunting camp trip and I, I knew you were a professional fisherman, but I didn't know what your hunting background was. And the first time we hunted together was when those deer came in, when I drew my bow back, like, yeah. and we were that close. And right away I could tell like, this guy knows how to hunt because it, if you didn't know how to hunt, those deer wouldn't have got that close. Yeah. It just takes you. I could read it on you. How you were saying, I think maybe before the show, like you can tell when you're with someone whether or not they've done it before or have experience with it. Yeah. And I could tell with you, you like you have spent a lot of time in the woods, and that's why, like I, I felt a lot of times with both of you guys, I, hey, what do you think? And that's like kind of a cool thing to do, like bounce stuff off of people you trust in camp, right. and you can get that read on people like almost instantaneously if you know how to hunt. So I just want to add that best friends that anyone could ever have, (laughs) best friends that anyone could ever have, and we'll never ever 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 leave each other. (laughs) (laughs) What was that from? Step Brothers. Oh, you remember that movie that you don't really know any of the quotes about that you watched one time? Step Brothers was a classic. You need to watch again. So the issue is, I quote Three Amigos, (laughs) and everybody else quotes Step Brothers, and I'm like, it's your age. Yeah, it's because they were like. 25 years apart. 86? 80. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) 86? Slightly (laughs) spread apart. So, Um, anywho, I just had to give you that credit while you were explaining that because for the people who are like, he just catches fish. Yeah. He also catches deer. I do. And I I don't. (laughs) Saw it. Catches deers. (laughs) I I don't get. I don't get a hunt nearly as much as I would love to. Yeah. Right? Like, I would love to do. Six months fishing, six months hunting. Like, that's mm. the perfect world. Right. But that's just not the way. Like, you have to make sacrifices to do the things that you love. Yeah. Uh, and and so I take advantage of being able to go on hunts like this with Loophole and being able to just, like, meet new people yeah. and have these new experiences. Because that's what it's about for me. Like, you, you really – and I, I think it's, like, the older I get. And I'm not – old. I mean, I'm 31 years old. But, but the more mature you I mean, get. I'm like way younger than Lucas, S- but it's like... mature. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the more... I, you, 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 Poor Lucas, man. You, you understand old. those things. <laughs> you, you get to, like... I don't know. There's, like, there's different things that become more important in your yeah. life as you right. get older. For so, sure. Yep. Um, and I, I don't take those things for granted, and I think I appreciate them a lot more... As yeah. I get older. Yeah. Like one of those uh, is being the rich chocolatey taste of Ovaltine. <laughs> We've been at Ovaltine the entire trip. I haven't even seen it in I this heard it's cabin. good for your bones. I don't know. <laughs> Only if you mix it with 2% milk. Or whole milk. Whole milk, yes. Whole milk. Okay. So 
we're going to talk about. I don't even know where this is going. Where, are we talking about like me? Yeah, we're getting to. We're, you're, you're me killing the first yeah, one. Let's we had it. to talk you up too. Cause, yeah, because Brandon, yes, okay. killed the first buck in camp. Yep. But I'm gonna Straight go ahead up. and I'm gonna go ahead and start off with my complete screw up. Well, yeah, this hunting. one's fun, man. This one's fun because because that'll set up to make um, the trip. Well, I just feel like it'll set up to make Lucas look like not such a my screw up. Yeah, it'll make your screw up yeah. look like not as bad. Well, here's the thing. I, I would say that. Um, so oh, suspense. Dun 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 dun. We'll um, get into that. Yeah, it, I would say that it's interesting. Most people like to hide and shield. Most people want to be perfect, and that's not, um, that's not how are, it works. We so. are no. not. No. Well, and and it's like you watch a lot of shows. It's uh, kill shot success, kill shot success, yep. kill shot success, and people always tell you stories of the perfect, the perfect, the perfect, the perfect. However, I mean, I'm going to make up a percentage. Ninety percent of people are not perfect. No, and it's probably closer to a hundred percent of people, yeah. especially in hunting. No one's say, you're a little low on your right. percentage. But. And no matter how trained and 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 polished polished you are in a lot of things, like their circumstances change every single time. It and it is it's really funny because you can have a a series of events that are unfortunate and it doesn't work out. Yep. And then you can have a series of events where you put it all together and it is perfect. And then you can follow that up the next, you know, the next season with, you know, you're got, the you can't best win. You just can't win. It's just, it is what it is. And I think that that's why they say, you know, that's why it's hunting and not killing is that you're, there's always some sort of circumstance mm-hmm. that plays into the equation yeah. and we get, we can easily get hung up on what perfection is what you might see on TV, what you might see on YouTube, what you might see on Instagram, where I mean, during, yeah. during hunting season, especially too, Instagram, you're, you're going to see, you're going to see like big buck, big elk, big like one, look at my success, one, look yeah, at my look success at here, all the successes, and you never see the screw ups, and and it's not that they're even necessarily screw ups, it's that is their learning it, experience, well, exactly. No, but, but it's circumstantial, it's circumstantial situations that yeah. it's like, well, yet you could have done something differently, and it, it would have affected the outcome. Mm-hmm. Sure, would have could have, and you move on. So <clears throat> that's yeah. the setup. We're gonna get into that, yeah. But we're gonna start with your learning experience, yeah. and and I want to I want to draw one similarity here before I go into that situation, situational screw up. Um. <clears throat> But but between fishing and hunting, and why I think I'm drawn to both of them mm-hmm. because every single day is not the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a I'm the kind of person that does not do well with like day in and day out monotonous, the exact same monotonous thing. Just yeah, I yeah. I, I can't do that. Like I can't go into work and be like. Oh, this is what I got to do today. I'm going to do it, and I'm done. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Right? Yeah. But I I cannot do that I've, in my head. Yeah. Uh, I I can't. I can do it. I can't do it and be happy. Uh, and and that's I feel that I'm in my day job. I'm doing that, so I I can yes. relate. So I I think one thing that is very cool with both hunting and fishing is that. And I hate to say competing, but in a way, like you're competing against a another living creature that does not live by the same standards that we do. Yeah, right. So 
as humans, our entire life is built off of a 24-hour time clock or a 12-month calendar. Mm -hmm. And we have a very set schedule of, I got to be here at this time and do this and blah, 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 blah. Deer don't care. Yeah, they don't have a clock. Right? Fish don't care. They, They live based off of sunrise, sunset. It's an instinctual time of year, hundred percent yeah, instinctual, yeah. and that's how they base their year. Every single year is not the same. It depends on what Mother Nature throws them. They adjust, they adapt their life, mm-hmm. and that's how they live. Yep. Perfect example: your deer hunt setup mm-hmm. when you're bow hunting that we set up, set it up perfect. Day one, we set it up. They come in. I mean. Nearly to the minute on time. Yeah, actually, when you, like, when you exactly. Thought, yeah, when you thought they were going to come in, it was like, hey, I think they'll show up here at 745 and 747. Here they come. Mm-hmm. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Day two show up. Wind changed. They don't come that way. Yeah. They bed down in the bottom. And so that that's a very big difference, but I think trying to adapt and understand the way that they live is what really intrigues me. And yeah, and what sure. cha- and what changes their instinctual situations yeah. too. I mean, if you think about today, like um we y- you always have a plan, but all the weather that moved in, it moved in 4 or 5 hours quicker than it was supposed to. We yeah. get some and really, harder than we thought. Yeah, and we get some really heavy rainfall and that completely changes how the deer oh, move. Man. It's it just, bummed it, us all out. And all of a sudden you're just like <laughs> boom and you're just like, "Well, shoot, now yeah. what?" Yeah. So, not still Take a step back. Take a step back. Yeah. Day one. Day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But literally. Day one. Day one. So we, we show up, <clears throat> make sure our guns are zeroed, bows are zero, if you're Kurt. Um, and, and then, so day one of the hunt, I'm like, okay, we're, God says, hey, we're going to go. Close By the way, the, the most exciting time because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? you, you have no idea. And, and they're showing you pictures of like. Giant bucks. I'm telling right? you stories. Like, Lots there, of stories. You're looking a, at mounts. Looking there's at a mounts. 210, 220 inch mule deer running around. There, there's like, I don't know how many 200 inch mule deer mounted inside this cabin. <laughs> a bunch. It li- well, yeah. All kinds of stuff mounted in here. Yep. And and so, but instantly, you have really high expectations. Very high right? expectations. Like, yeah. We all have really high expectations. But I feel like <clears> higher than realistic. At first, well, yeah, I mean, true, but but you're seeing like, I mean, how many years of success have gone on that have acquired these mounts? We're seeing thirty right? years and, of, but but well, like human 30, nature's walk in, you're like, oh, yep, I'm gonna kill one of those. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're just running yeah. around. Which our better like, judgment should tell us that it's not the case. But yeah, but you just automatically think that, right? And and so day one, like, let's go check this field. Spun a bunch of deer in here we go check it no no deer guess what's there whole herd of elk push push the deer out i'm really not even upset because there's a big giant bull screaming his head off fog rising up i'm just enjoying the morning like elk are my favorite thing to hunt in the entire world so if i can wake up every single morning and hear an elk bugle and watch them move across the field i'll die a happy man Mm mm-hmm Perfectly okay with me. Guess what happens 30 minutes later? Like, oh, let's go to grandma's house. It's literally <laughs> like 
right here grandma's property yeah it's not far away nine thousand acres over here and 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 to be fair to be fair to be fair to be fair so um it is the singing part you should just start with that and end on just that singing part so it ends time so it is there's grandma's house it's at the corner of a big property it's a bluff um there's there's the house there's you know, a field, but then there's a big bluff. There's a big. You, you downplayed it a little. So, yeah, you gra- when you say grandma's house, like oh, it's grandma's house, and she has a yard. Yeah, I mean, it's nine thousand. Thousand. And an apple tree. It's but, nine thousand acres yeah. of like this giant right. bluff, rock wall. And everybody calls mountain. it grandma's, grandma's house, but yeah, they it, just call grandma's. But it's a it's a it's a chunk of land that just so happens to be in this area. Yeah, and yeah. grandma's house is on like the very like closest corner, right. and then there's nine thousand acres. Which, past but it. at the same time, just even saying. Let's go to grandma's house. You're like, uh, some next, li- yeah, like, next it's door. like I'm hunting little red riding hood. Are we going to get some apple pie? <laughs> right. That, what's grandma got? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, make yeah. over so, there. so we go down the road, right? Like this is 30 minutes into my hunt. The, the first hunt that I've been on in Oregon, chasing mm-hmm. mule deer. And we're driving down the road and I look over to my right and lo and behold, there's a buck, bedded down, right next to a tree, right next to a juniper. I'm like, hey, we should stop and look at that mule deer. <laughs> so, so we pull over, we stop. This is the first deer you've seen in the whole trip. Yeah, yeah, first deer I've seen. Pull up the binos. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we're kind of trying to judge him. He's a good, like, solid three by four. But we're 30 minutes in. Right. I just looked at a bunch of pictures of big ones. We're staying in a lodge with tons of giant mule deer mounts. I'm like, yeah. eh, I don't think I want to shoot this one right away in the first three minutes. I'm going to hold out. Uh, we're, we're on a six-day hunt. Yeah. So I've got time. Uh, you know, let, let's keep looking around. But he's like, you know, there may be a few more. Let's go look. Let's get a closer look. So we slide up there. And um, right as we're kind of getting close to get a good look, the buck that I'd originally spotted, he just hops up and kind of walks off. So we didn't get a good look at him. We we slide a little bit closer to look. And as we come around the tree, deer pops up and is standing there broadside. And, and in my mind, I'm like really confused because I'm looking at it thinking, that's a lot bigger than the buck I was just looking at. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot bigger than the like, buck I was just looking at. Like and instantly, bigger. he grew another tine. Yeah, he lot. went from a 3x4 to a 4x4 four four in about 27 steps. How did he do that? And then grass must be really healthy. Here. And and for the li- <laughs> listeners, we're, we're talking about probably a 170-ish class buck is what Yes, That's what I'm looking at the second time. Yeah, yeah 170, 175 yeah, yeah. like Heavy, tall, the king. wide. He, he, he's all right. 30 minutes, in, 30 minutes into my first mule deer hunt in Oregon. Yeah. Behind Grandma's house. Behind so grandma's right, house. right now, at this point, your mindset is like, A deer's this been is smelling wh- gingerbread cookies and apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He has a quilt made by Grandma yeah. herself. He's like, laying on the quilt made by Grandma. And I'm like, <laughs> This doesn't make sense. So right now your mindset is like you're connecting. I expected the stories. this. Yeah, you're yeah. connecting the stories to. Yeah, like I kind of expected it, but in my mind I'm like, wait, I was just looking at a three by four, and I walked around the corner and looked past a tree, and that's not the same buck I'm looking at. But I didn't want to shoot the first one, and it's like trying to process in my mind, and he kind of walks off. 
I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> and and I'm looking, and so I'm like, all right, let's get a better look. And we, we move a little bit more, and I find the buck again, and he's staring at me. He's, he's faced straight at me. And instantly, we at this point, it registers like, this is not the same buck. Yeah. There were two of them, and this one is much larger. It's a shooter. What's and I froze. Up? And I froze. You didn't pull the trigger. Didn't pull the trigger. Why? No idea why. Like, I, it was... Okay, let me ask I, you I this. I can't even explain it. It was like an out-of-body experience <laughs> where it was like... I, and And part of me says that I took it... For granted. Was it, okay, let me ask you this, and be as honest as you can on air here. Was it the stories and all this you thought that, like, if in the first 30 minutes I'm going to see a bigger one? Uh, well, no, like a little bit. Like, I, part of me thought, okay, we drove down the road in the first. Because this is, what did we say this buck? You thought he was 60s, 70s? He's like in, he's in the it, 70s. Like, he's a big, yeah, heavy and it's five minutes mainframe from the, four point. Five minutes from the ranch, right? You, you haven't even hit, you haven't even gotten right. to. The place you're no, going to hunt. We're a half mile. So in your head, you might the, be thinking like, "I'm going to hit that high 80s, 90s buck." Yeah, well, we're point. a half mile from the lodge that we're sleeping in, and, and the, I see this giant, and I saw another decent buck that I'm like, "Nah, no, I don't and I don't want to shoot yet." And, the, and so, like, I had really, I had a high expectations. I took it for granted, and at the same time, I was, and I don't. I don't want this to sound like these are making excuses. I'm just telling you like what was going yeah. on in my Which is fair. mind process. Because real things happen to yeah. real people when you are not in an edited show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah these yeah, are, this these is are like real stories. So I'm giving you guys the nitty gritty here. And, and so I'm like, in my head, I'm trying to process like, okay, this isn't the same book. This is probably a shooter, but there might be... Bigger, more mature bucks yeah, around yeah. the area. And we're 30 minutes in. And I really love the adventure and, like, the hunt of it. Yeah. And, like, I was just all thrown off. And for whatever reason, I never pulled the trigger. And instantly <laughs> when it disappeared, I'm, I thought, you are an idiot. Why did you not pull the trigger? And, and all I could think is, like, I, I should have pulled the trigger. And I was, like, 30 minutes away from being done yeah but then part of me was like i don't want to be done well and i think that's i think that's the bigger thing too when you go uh, whether it's it's funny it's it's a really it's a balance between wanting to be successful wanting to be successful he's gonna pee he's gonna pee i knew they'd make mic noises which is why i called it out did you did you deposit that I didn't. I oh, great. We're going to talk through it then. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to go through it. It, it is an, it's an interesting balance between when you come into – whether whether you're going on a guided hunt, whether you're going on an out-of-state hunt, whether, you, uh, whether you're hunting even in your backyard. Yeah. You the, – the hunting season is, is short comparatively to the rest of the year. Well, yeah. well, and maybe in the Midwest it's different. But, you know – No, it, I mean it, it, it's longer, but it's yeah. still it, – that applies. In, in Oregon – you get anywhere from five to ten days for a deer. Yeah, you, which you, is crazy. You get you get like four to seven days for elk. With the you bow get, in Illinois, we get October first to like mid January. Yeah, so, so these are short these these are short seasons, and so um, you're thinking about it all year long, and so you want to have success. Yeah. But then, if it happens within the first thirty minutes on the first day, then all of a sudden your hunt's done, and so now you've thought about twelve months. Yeah. Of what your season's going to look like. 
and 30 minutes into it, it's done. Yeah. And what, you know, I think that Brandon touched on this earlier, where there's the misconception of success of a hunt is the kill. But in reality, the success of the hunt is the experience that encapsul- the, encapsulates the, the body hunt. of the entire thing. It's the thing. body of it. And so what, if it ends within the first 30 minutes, while it was, you know, getting there was great um, and, and being successful is great, it, it condenses that experience. Yeah. And so, but you well, get, so you get the stories out the gate. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I, you know, the, so I could, I could do this tomorrow morning too and extend this experience. And so your right. mind gets full of all these like, okay, cool. Well, I'm not going to fail. I'm just, I'm just going to extend the experience. Right. Where my mindset is on that, I completely agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But my mind frame from year to year goes, I've had years where you just struggle. You can't do anything right, like we talked about earlier a little bit. Sometimes when it comes that easy, you got to take it because it, we all know that it never happens that easy. So that's like yeah. kind of my mind. I'm not saying you did anything wrong, no, Brandon. I, um, I agree. I, but in my mind, I know what it's like to struggle with a bow or struggle with a, a gun or whatever you're hunting with. I know what it's like. So when they do come easy, I'll take them because I feel like some way around that, I earned it eventually. Like whether it was the year before, if I haven't earned it yet, I'm going to earn it for the next five years hunting. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? So And 100%, like I should have taken the shot. Like yeah. I, I have no excuses. I love that. It was don't 100% know. on me. Like I own it. But I love the fact so that weird. you don't 100% know why you didn't shoot. I don't. I think that's cool. I honestly don't. But And that's the reality. The of craziest part is, like, I remember looking through the scope, and it, like, I can see that deer staring at me in the face. Because he was face on, looking right that, at me. That's and he a was positive like he was, you're going to have for a he while. He was like he was looking into my soul. Dude. And I just stood there and I watched him. And I have no idea. You why guys they had a spiritual moment. That's why you didn't shoot. It was weird. Like I honestly didn't. I, I I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger. And then as soon as he moved, and he started to go over the hill, I was like, "Why didn't you pull the trigger?" Yeah, it was like I snapped out of him. Like why? Why? Why didn't what you? Happened? What happened? Yeah, what just happened? That was awesome. <laughs> and but what happened? Yeah. And you're an, an experienced hunter who is killed multiple animals you have tons i mean you yeah there this is not a unique situation but yeah you're a western dude yeah, but every once in a while it's just like there's something happens where you're just like oh my whether it's expectations or the the, the plot line internally is different and you just miss them you, you just miss the moment i think it, I, and there's part, it, part it, there's of it caught me off guard that. yeah like i part of me it, it's weird but, I, I don't have an explanation for it, and that's why I sound like I'm going in circles. But it's like I get. It. I think it, I, I think had that high expectations. I had high expectations, but I didn't expect it to happen in the first thirty yeah, minutes. For sure, if that makes sense. So and I so was like, okay, this bug uh, walks off, yeah, and then and then what walk. happens? Very what, fast walk. Once he once he's away, let me say that. Like then then what? Yeah, once we can't find him, it's like okay, we just, we gotta go find another one. Mm-hmm. And and at this point, I'm like. Well, that was awesome. I saw one right. really good three by four. Saw one seventy ish class mule deer. Yeah, this is gonna be a really good trip. So you're gonna get two hundred. Yeah, time. I'm like, this is gonna be a really good trip. There's gonna yeah. be deer everywhere. Um, 
and I saw a lot of deer. But what I quickly realized is that there's there wasn't like a I couldn't just go hunt everywhere. Right. Like I, like I'm used to hunting in Idaho. Yeah. And hunting a lot of public land is like, oh, I'm going to go over to that ridge, and I'm going to go over to that ridge. And me and Lucas are very similar in this. We have like this, it's almost like a disease of like, oh, I'm going to see what's over that corner. Yeah. I'm going to see what's over that ridge. I call it, uh, I'm, I need to check that off the list. Yeah. And I, and see, I have that too. I have some but- hunting partners that it drives them nuts because they're like, well, we know there's something right there. I was like, yeah, but they're going to be there all day. Let's check those five <laughs> things off the list because otherwise we're just going to be sitting here. See, can, I have that too. We can sit here for five hours and wait or we can check all those ridges <laughs> off the list just in case. Just in case. And then we'll come back and then we'll do what we need to do here. <laughs> see, I have that too, but to cross like – that ridge in Illinois takes a lot less time and a lot less effort, you know? So I'm like, I'm just going to bebop over here. Oh, nothing over here. All right, bebop, bop. Or I'm like, all right, I'm at the top of this. All right, I'm going over there five miles to check this ridge out. It's yeah. different, you know? Yeah, it is. And it, and so, like, we go up, we hunt this this area. Um, right, like I said earlier, we have a giant, massive amount of land. To hike around. So we go hiking around it, and we keep seeing smaller bucks, does, more small bucks, um, and really cool country. And I haven't, like, I've always wanted to kill a big mule deer. And so I, I was super excited about this hunt, right? And so we came and uh, moving around. What is going on here? He says, hold on, continue. Okay, so we're, I, I have this idea, like, I want to shoot this big, giant mule deer. And we're hiking around. I, I quickly realized that I may have to slightly lower my expectations from what I had pre- previously had. Right. And to be fair, my expectations. To be fair. To be fair. You had to sing it. To be fair. And that was Lucas, not me. Uh, and I had probably like unrealistic expectations. So we, I, I end up spotting a bedded three point, which may have later died. But I'm just we'll save that for later. Dun, dun, dun. And da da which are called what? What are those dots called? Hey. Lucas, you're smart. The ellipses. Ellipses. Bingo. Okay. For all you listeners out there, want to get smart? This is an educational <laughs> Want to get smart? This is an educational podcast. Not only is it hunting, you get to learn words. Mm-hmm. So, I end up passing. I find this three-point. No, I'm not going to shoot him. I got this other buck that's like 170-ish staring me in the eyeballs into my soul. I'm not going to shoot this one. See another four-point for those in Illinois. An eight point. Yes. yes. Plus eye guards. Well, I was you don't say, really count eye guards on mule deer, which is weird. Is that not weird? Like even if they have them, you don't count because technically it would I, be a ten point yeah, in Illinois. And mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's a hundred percent. I think that there's peop- There's two camps on that. Okay. Listeners, let us know. Yeah. Li- okay. Yeah. Listeners, let us yeah. know. Let us uh, know what you think. Like, if you're a mule deer hunter, like, do you count the eye guards? Oddly enough. I typically don't. Yeah, but you I could, feel like mostly you, could, you don't. Yeah, you could easily convince me that I that I should. Yeah, because it counts for points. But it's like one of those things. If where it counts like, for points. You mm, should probably, point. you should probably like count it. nearly every whitetail has eye guards. 
Yeah, almost, right? almost everyone. Like it's fair if to they say. don't have them, it's weird. Yeah, like it's weird that they don't. Mule deer, like, they, they might, they might not. They might have one. They might not have any. Um, right. So sorry for the background noise. So We're hunting you, camp. You counted a you counted a four point or an eight pointer. Yes, and so I, I pass on this buck. He's on top of the ridge. We watch him come all the way across, two hundred twenty five yards. Like I'm not doing it on day one. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not ready to do that. So day one, finish up. You know, see, see a bunch of deer, but nothing that gets me. Just super excited, especially after I had my first 30-minute encounter. Right. You were so, spoiled right out the gate. I did. I got really spoiled. <clears throat> so day two comes around, rolls around, and we end up going back to the same area, try to find that big buck. Nowhere to be found. We're not seeing nearly as many deer because, you know, conditions are a little bit different. A lot of the deer are bedded down a lot earlier than what they were, and... Lo and behold, again, we find this four pointer, mm-hmm. and he's a good one. Like he he he's not a tiny buck. Not four pointer, four point, four point That's eight how. pointer. There we go. There you go. Nice. That's Correct nice. terminology. Um, and so I'm thinking, gosh, I should probably shoot this buck. This is the biggest mule deer that I've ever had a shot at, other than the one earlier. But like. If I shoot this buck, it's the biggest one I've ever killed. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm contemplating back and forth, contemplating back and forth. I'm like, okay, it's it's day two. And then part of me is like, hey, we got a lot more people in camp, and I can shoot photos and video, and I really enjoy doing that. And, and you're really good at it, too, by the way. I did. Thank Dude, you. Exceptional, but, uh, I might add. Thank you. And, and so for me, again, it's like, I don't have to kill the biggest one to be really happy about it. Yeah, and you shoot what, shoot what makes you happy in the yeah, inside. Yeah, and, and so I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I got the camera guy with me. I'm going to take this buck. 330 yards. That's a poke. DX3. Beep. Guy says, he's 335. Click, 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 click. There's more clicks than that to get to. 335 <laughs> yards, but we get the picture. It, yeah, you, you dial the scope in, right? And that's the nice thing. Like, you just turn the dial, hold dead on them. There's no second guessing. There's no holdover. Holdover. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't, it's not like, oh, I got to hold it at the top. It's of an aim back on with just like a single pin on a bow. Yeah, it's beautiful thing, right? And so, turn the dial, and I get a perfect rest, rock ledge, and and I think for me, I like I enjoyed that experience of spotting the buck, making a stock, mm. and and getting set up more so than like oh crap, there's a buck right there. Hurry, get ready, shoot. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, yeah. The, like you were, you felt calculated. Yeah, that yep. spot stock, and I don't know if that's just like my Western roots or what mm-hmm. it is, but I think it's a like, mindset thing, though. Like, yeah. no matter what, like you see it, you think about it, you just you do, you have time to do everything right before you execute like a plan. And it's because it, I had a very similar experience, which we we'll yeah. get into, but it was uh, it's it's a uh, this is what I expect 
the hunt to feel like. Yeah. I feel like it, it like gives That's you a good more. Way to put it. Yeah, it gives you more time to like process and ingest that. Yeah, You're, experience. You, you feel the moment a little more. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And and so I'm like, yep, I'm gonna shoot this. Get a good rest. Dial scoping. And at first, I'm like, did I hit him? And then I see him kind of. Stiff legged starts wobbling, and uh, we're shooting six five Creed Moors this week, and that bullet went right through him. Mm-hmm. And about two seconds later, like a goes, double lung shot, a what? double lung shot right through him. So he was like, not even really quarter to me. He had like slightly turned, and instantly it was like. Choo! Straight through him, and he starts stumbling, and he rolls down a hill. <laughs> now, now here's here's the funny part. So the guy I'm hunting with the day before had told me, "Oh, I, you know, I've been hunting around here in six years. We haven't had to really like put one on our backs and pack it out in six years." Yeah, which is crazy out here. Yeah. Well, guess what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm going to shoot one where we have to pack it out. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? I think our whole entire crew did that. <laughs> so, so just saying, you know, we're a rowdy bunch. Hey, we, you got to get them where they live. It you got know? a little sporty. But <laughs> for me, that's that's the experience, and that's, that's cool, like, though. That's what I wanted. And right, right. I was super pumped about it. So day two, I take this awesome buck um he's a good deer man and you know it, i he gross scored like around 145 to give people yeah. kind of a reference of what this buck was mm-hmm. and super typical um another year or two probably would have been a magnum yeah can't think about that though but that's not what it's about like for me it was a situational experience that right i felt like the moment was right and it was awesome. And I'm pumped about it. And so we ended up um, getting this thing all cleaned up. And then instantly I became cameraman for Kurt. Oh, and oh. you, and just awesome. like, I already, fun. I can't, I, I don't know if, how many compliments I've given you on the, your camera skills, but well, man. congratulations on your buck. Yeah. You don't need to. Congra- you. No, I'm, it, and it was, it's a beautiful Thank buck too. It's got yeah. it's really awesome. good. It's just got really good genes it's it's a good one yeah um but and when you transition to the cameraman and photographer like i was like dude this dude has got hidden talents like it was fun. Pre- impressive yeah primo it, like, i was i was excited about that yeah like, it, like i'm i'm impressive. i'm well, passionate you get, you about the, the photo and video and you get and you get experience like the experience again yeah like, yeah, like you could have killed I'm that buck right out the gate and still had the experience of hunting. So it's cool. I'm still Not to make you think with about my buddies. Right. So, so yeah. And that's for me, like it's the experience. Like I'm still so, creating those yeah. memories. So this would transition to when you came and filmed me on that bow hunt experience on that mountain pinch. Hundred percent. Right. Like what we had already talked what yep. you had just talked yep. about Going earlier. Back to that. That's when this phase is in. So, yep. Yep. so I had killed my buck and then I become camera guy and the next day. I get to experience that with you. Yeah. Right. Guess who else experienced it with you? Nobody. Yeah. Just me. So, <laughs> so I, like I didn't, I was super pumped that I was able to. That you were just like buck, all over deer from the get go, man. It, and, uh, 
and, and then just like, and then experience it, right? Like I, I'm actually more happy that I took one early, yeah, like that, um, and then be able to kind of experience everybody else's hunts, yeah, for sure, with them, and, and that that to me fulfilled my experience here, yeah, this week. Yeah. That's what it was all about, and so it was a good layout. I'm happy yeah. about it, um, and and I got to do a lot of the things that I love to do. Yeah, right? like I got to hunt, I got to shoot photo, and video yeah, your photo skills are out of this out. world. Um, and so, pack out some muleys. I got to pack out for sure. I so mean, so yeah. then that phases I mean, into me and Lucas packed out all of yours, and then, <laughs> then like got to help Lucas pack <laughs> out his. And, we'll get to it, but just give me a nod, yes or no. Did you see my comment on that? I did not. Oh, okay. You have to look. It's funny. Um, <laughs> it's subtle but funny. So, um, so some phasing it from that. You you found success on a really good buck. Your biggest muley. It is. It's my biggest. Which muley is cool. Today. Congratulations. Actually, it's, it's probably like. I mean, if you want to go into technical scoring terms, it's the biggest deer, deer white tail species. or mule deer. Yeah. Though. I've, I've ever shot. So then nice. Sierra yeah. was up next. She's not here. She was on the working class bow on our podcast yeah. the last one we did. She had um, to bounce because, as it turns out, she is a world traveler. She lives the coolest life. Yeah. She's going to hunt. I will Maui. say this, too, and for the working class bow hunter podcast side of the listeners on this. Um, they know how like we've interviewed like female hunters in the past, and uh, and we really appreciate us especially really passionate female hunters. We want to put them in the spotlight as much as possible. She is the real deal. Like right. I've never met that girl knows so much about the outdoors, so much about animals, so much about different animal species from yeah. big game to waterfowl to everything in between. It's very impressive. Well, it's, and, and she's, she's a hunter. She's, she's so, the she, real deal. She just so happens to be female. Like, she yeah, gets, that's all it is. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. But I just felt like I need to clarify that because I feel like sometimes that gets categorized in a weird area. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, she's killed more than all three of us. Dude, by far. The <laughs> knowledge this month. she has <laughs> is true. so crazy. I was fat. She gave me a runaround of all the duck taxidermy in this lodge and told me everything about each species, where they're found, what they do. Like, mind blown. Yeah. Um, Logic. How do we want to break down her hunt, or should we? Well, we we can. I think we can kind of break it down. I or think, they I can think, just watch it. Well, they might not be able to. We, we can, haven't reviewed the footage. I did review it. It's not great. <clears throat> um. So I think the big thing is is that what's fascinating is that she came from a moose hunt that was extended in, in was it Canada or Alaska? She was Alaska. up in uh, a last minute Saskatchewan. A last she was minute Sus- moose okay. hunt, and she just. Nailed a huge moose. Then she comes straight here. Um, she so oddly enough, the way that we've got this whole thing broken down is that we actually she's the one that had a tag in a slightly different unit than what we and, yeah. So she she actually gets a lot more space to work with by herself and by herself. <laughs> and we're like, oh hi Sierra, bye Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> and so she gets to go. Explore. And everyone's like, that's where the big boys live. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> She's like, sorry guys, peace. <laughs> She's sorry, not sorry. I'm gonna yeah. go out. Um, so she, you know, basically, she had two or three days of um, some really good experiences, and at the end of the day, she took down a really nice muley buck. Mm-hmm. Um, she turned down some good ones, and you know, hunted hard and waited till she found one that really, you know, the- like when like 
when she had that whole bachelor group of bucks, so the when you hadn't even yeah. seen yeah, them we, yet. Yeah, we had seen. We had that seen made me sick a little bit when you showed me after yeah. today. We looked at some of the footage, and and it looks like she had, she actually had a chance to see a lot of bucks, and she didn't talk about it. And she really. didn't. She did not talk about it a lot. Mostly probably because I saw nothing for so long. But we'll get into that. She's being kind. And uh, and then after a handful of days, she was able to get on one that she really liked. It was a really tall. Buck that had a cool little crab claw in there, and um, and of course she made a, a five by four a perfect or like shot. That. Yeah, um, and it was it was good. It was probably one of the one of the better ones they've taken out of here in the last uh, couple of weeks. So yeah, cool. Um, shout out to Sierra. She did a great job. Obviously, a wonderful person, wickedly talented, dude. Yeah, um, no a, doubt. an amazing hunter. Uh, I wish she was here to be able to tell her story. You know, I, she would I, underplayed it though because she is humble. Yeah, I will say. and and I would like to use a a a cheesy voice and pretend that I'm her and tell a really funny. It would story be really funny <laughs> <laughs> if you just played Sierra but didn't tell anybody that you did, and then we just acted like it was normal. Yeah, and I practiced a voice earlier, and it just it, it didn't work. <laughs> we it, were it, gonna do that. It turned into like this weird southern like girl voice, and I was like, ah, it just doesn't feel right. So I decided to squash it. <laughs> we but, had plans to be completely yeah. corrupt on that story, <laughs> right. but it didn't work out. But I mean, I, I guess I guess to take two steps back. Like um, she's obviously amazing, and w- when I put these these hunts together, when we can bring people, and I really like to mix it up with uh, with men and women because yeah. I think that the it's important. Yeah, it, it's important, and, and those those two different perspectives in a hunting camp are, are great, and to be able to share yeah. those per- perspectives are great, and um, and so that's what I like to promote. So yeah, um, and she absolutely came out swinging and hit everything on all cylinders so yeah. good job sierra if you're listening to this like we totally respected your ability you amazing and but you know what we didn't respect her not being here for this podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know in, in all fairness she's like i just have so much meat to process because i've killed so many animals this month yeah <laughs> what have you done <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh i uh, and she's going oh. she's flying to hawaii <laughs> like tomorrow to right? kill more animals yeah <laughs> She she's pretty rad. <laughs> so so going on with yeah. the stories. Um, since she's not here, <laughs> so while this is all happening, is that what we want to get into? Yes, yes. So while this is all happening, everybody like so. This is we're going to say a slug of three days. Yeah. So in three days, in three days, Brandon tags out, sees a monster, tags out on a really good one, um, starts filming. Kurt uh, Kurt has. You know, different opportunities. Sierra tags out, <laughs> uh, and, and as we look at some of the the footage, like sees tons of bucks, and uh, which is great. I, you know, as um, I guess the facilitator of this hunting camp, it's like for me, it's it's important to have the um, the people who are invited to have a good. Good the time. loophole cultures having the experience, right? We, we, you the core. We, no, it would, the core. no. In all seriousness, though, like one of our, our our value statement is we want people to create epic moments, and that's the big thing. It's like yeah. every, and it, that shows up in a lot of different ways. But being able to provide that opportunity for folks so that they can ex- then experience it, share it, um, that's really really important. We talked about this on your podcast. Yeah, uh, the, is that having that two way conversation? Um, it's 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 not a facade for Leopold. Like we mm-hmm. really we really value the two way conversation with our fans and the people who buy our product. And right. Because everyone who is in our office, we hunt, we shoot, we do all those. You live things. the lifestyle. We live the lifestyle, and to be able to experience that and share it with our fans is very important. Yeah. Um, and so for 
for me to have the ability to be a part of that. I mean, you, we were talking with Brandon earlier about doing what he loves to do and yeah. to, you know, he hasn't had to work a day in his life for the last, well, for the last nine years. He hasn't had a real <laughs> work a day in my life. Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> he hasn't had to work. He hasn't had to have a real job in the last nine years sort yeah. of thing because he's able to do what he's passionate yeah. about. The people who work at Leupold are very, very similar where it's like, you know, we're very passionate about this. And when we can bring those experiences with the, you know, our fans that, that care about the product and, all that stuff. It's like, that's fun. Like yeah. that, that, that it, it becomes, it, it turns work in, mixes it with that lifestyle. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so while we're all shooting deer, well, you guys are seeing deer, you, guys you are, have seen how many does? You guys are <laughs> experiencing your epic moments and you are living that lifestyle, um, which was the most important thing for me. <laughs> I am going... It's very nice of you. I'm going to the back 40. Because we were talking about how the way this unit's set up and there's just... The back 40, yeah, that's the greatest. There's different chunks of land and stuff. And <laughs> I had I had a... I had my guy... There's more people than should be yeah. in yep. our it, available space. There, there was a mix-up a yeah, little bit. Is what it is. Yeah. Um, so my guy's like, hey, we're going to let we're gonna go back to this property. And I'm like, sounds good. For three days, we trudge and track go up and down um we glass we we move we glass yeah. some more we go up and we go down some more and <laughs> how many more times i saw zero bucks in three days yeah so we i come back to camp everybody's like oh i saw i saw this three I, point this I 40 passed this one i passed on this one i did this and i saw zero bucks in three days uh, <laughs> a handful of does um on day one, a smaller handful of does on day two, yeah. and a single doe on day three. And I'm so like progressively getting worse, progressively getting uh, emotionally, progressively getting worse. But in the meantime, like the the guys that live here, the guys that and live that here, hunt here all the time. They say, what were they telling you? They, they say, hey, here's the deal. In the back forty, <laughs> where you're at, yeah. where you're at, there's not a lot of deer. There's sometimes no deer, but, but when there is a deer, it's a big deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a fair judgment. That's a fair statement. I just spent three days walking my patootie off. And <laughs> I, so I'm just kind of hoping that this big deer finds it's time to show up. <laughs> because I've, I've, at this point, I've put in some, I come back tired and exhausted, seeing nothing, and everybody else goes, yeah, I passed up on like 1,300,000 things. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good for you. Yeah. I really appreciate that because we're here for you, and that's and, what it's all about. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and, in your, and in your words, if I may quote you, cautiously optimistic. Yes, I remain cautiously optimistic. <laughs> that's the best. So, that is a great way to be like, I'm not feeling it, but I want to be optimistic. Well, and it, here's the thing. and Because and, like I said, I'm a morning person. Sorry, not sorry. Like when the alarm goes off, I wake you up just, in the morning, I put on my smiling face, I sing a little song to myself. your age, man. Sometimes I sing my song out loud. And that is what it is. That doesn't mean I want to be up at 4.30 in the morning. That just <laughs> but means you are. that I am up at 4.30 in the morning. It just is what it is. <laughs> so while everybody else had all these stories happening in the first three days, I had nothing happening in the first three days. <laughs> However, the guy that I was working with, super steady Eddie, like he's just ready to rock and roll. Yeah. He's like, just got a pile of pavement, brother. And I'm like, okie dokie. How, <laughs> How old is Sam? 
I don't know if I've ever heard how old Sam is. I don't know either. Let's just say that he would be 60 to 70. Like 60 to 70. Yeah, I think that's your old dude. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I'll go middle of the line there. Yep. Right there. That dude died a lot. Well, here's the thing. I think he, I think they put him with me because I'm, I like a lot. I'm like, because yeah. like we talked earlier, I'm like, hey, let's check that off the list. I'm like, what about that ridge over there? Like this one here? No, no, no. That one over there. I'm like. The one you can barely yeah, see in I the like, horizon that looks yeah. like a mirage. I'm like, yeah. should, that looks <laughs> the like The heat wave is kind of fading it out a little bit. I was like, we should check that out. And Sam was like, okay. I'm like, okay. Helps he's 6'5 or whatever. Yeah, he's, he's a is. giant. Yeah, he's <laughs> a tall dude. But that, I mean, that dude was just like, always like, all righty. Let's do what it needs to do. Okay, dokie. Happy and, lucky. Yeah. And yeah. We, so we crushed it for three days. And then I came home every day and said, oh, my. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. Yeah. Well, that is what it is. So that is that was my first three days worth of experience, which now brings us all back into the same timeline. Yeah. yeah we're caught up now. We are all caught up. Where do you want to go from here, Kurt? <laughs> You want me to talk into a little bit of my struggle after the bow experience? It, it's fairly quick. Okay, let's do it. It was dry. <laughs> so uh, now we're back to you. A little rock. It, it was... It was... <laughs> it, was ba- it, <laughs> it was dry. That <laughs> that's. I mean, that's it, though. Like, we, we saw those. Yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. And you I can't shoot those in Oregon. <laughs> I was there. Believe me, it's on film. There wasn't a lot going on. It was dry. It was, uh, it, it quickly, and we had these conversations too, like after the hunts, like us, us three in camp, like here's the perspectives here. Like we realized what, what Brandon had experienced in the first day was, was kind of in a way a fluke a little bit. Mm-hmm. And those things aren't, uh, it, it's, it was it's not as much of a target rich environment as we might have thought on day one, day two. Probably. Right. Especially, you know, when he kills it and then Sierra kills it and then we're like, whoa. So, yeah, you kind of realize like what the average is, like what what is what is the most realistic, what you could go home with. Um, everything above that is, is a bonus or exceptional. Right. Um, so after my bow experience, it was distant does and really not much else at all. So what did you decide to do? So in between all of this and, you know, being here with loophole, it has a major influence on this whole situation. And you guys are like, dude, try a rifle. Like this, this is insane to go after him with the bow. I think you'd enjoy a rifle. Let's shoot it. It'll increase your odds. You're out here in Oregon. How many times does an Illinois boy get the opportunity to do this? I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go for it. But before I said that, we said, hey, but by the way, if you choose to shoot a bow, we fully believe and respect your decision. But you doubt. I can feel the doubt. <laughs> I can feel the doubt. And, and, and honestly, we, we believe in you, <laughs> but good luck. We believe yeah. in you, just not the deer. <laughs> and, and, and the <laughs> thing is, too, is, uh, Lucas, I, I, I felt your... Um, your doubt initially, <laughs> then your belief, yes. then you're like, dude, you got this. You got this. I fully believe. When in I you. have my game plan, and then it's the, not going to happen, but I believe. The it. night before we went in, and then it was like, hey man, it's loophole. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. So um, I shot the rifle a couple times here at camp, and I'm like, whoa, that's actually really awesome. And and I'll and you were really good by by you the way. Were, you were a great shot. Can, yeah. can we Thank you. can we touch on like the similarities? Yeah, of, yeah. Of how you shoot a bow. archery 
and how that actually applies to how you shot a rifle. Because, yeah, yeah. I like, I, I've been a lot around. I've been around a lot of people that shoot guns. You shot impressively well. Thank you, man. Like Thank a you. sniper. That makes and, me feel and, good for a guy who never and, does it. And you know? after, yeah. When was the last time that you really shot a rifle? Like ten years ago, you said. I have a twenty-two like two fifty, but it's probably been three years since I. And but I've okay. never killed an animal with it. All. Like I shot. Yeah, like it you haven't killed times. an animal. In I bet you I've shot that rifle a total years. of six times. Okay. So since two thousand twelve. And, and after filming you and talking about like your archery style and the release you shoot and everything, I found it really intriguing of how much crossover there was between your archery style. Mm-hmm. And how you approach that and how you set up your shots and how, I guess, like... The hand mechanics. The hand mechanics. And yeah. kind of a weird word, but, like, intimate you are with that process. Right, yeah. Because archery is not intimate. It's like a romanticized type of, like... Uh, it's like a kind of a weird... That's the way I look at it. And I'm getting probably too artsy far too yeah, there. But, uh, but, you know, yeah. But it's that a, crossed over... Yeah. To making you a really good shot. Like, I, I noticed it even when you were shooting, like, I, and I'll say this, the first shot that he made, I'm pretty sure it hit dead, d- like, dead eye on the bullseye. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah. Like, <laughs> like me and Sierra watching in the binos, I'm like, I, I don't know where it hit. I think it <laughs> hit dead in the center. Like, Shoot off of the black because the targets we're shooting have a black center, yeah, and they have a white outside with like, all that inch hash mark. Yeah, yeah, and so like when it fires through, it sometimes you can't see the black hole on a black target. Yeah, it's really hard. Uh-huh. So we're like, well, just shoot a little bit outside the black, and he shoots, and it's like, I mean, it's like exactly <laughs> where he was aiming, <laughs> yeah. like exactly. Vertical and horizontal, where he was aiming. Like, Man, yeah, must, that's impressive. For a, d- that for a dude that nice. was even nicer. <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for a dude that shot a rifle like six times in the last ten years, yeah. that's yeah. pretty impressive. Well, you guys, and, you guys did kind of say like, "Hey, but, you know, follow, follow through your shot," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. follow through your shot." I know exactly what that so, means because my archery background. Yeah, so I'm going to let you take this. Like, just talk about those. What similarities you noticed between that? Because I thought yeah. it was super impressive, and I was intrigued on that process. Yeah, so with archery, I spend so much time because I shoot a lot. I spend, and not that I'm like obsessed with like hitting the tiny little X, like some like tournament yeah. archers are. Like this year, I ch- tried to change my focus and change my confidence and aiming at deer targets because if you aim at a dot all the time, when you shoot eighty yards, if you're an inch outside the dot. You don't feel very well about shooting that well. Even if it's a two-inch dot and you're an inch outside that dot at 80 yards, you're not in the dot, so you feel terrible about it. So I practice aiming at a deer target. So if you're in the kill zone, you feel good about it. Even if you're an inch to the right and you're still in there, you still feel good about it. So that's what I focused on. Um, but it's all follow-through, and you when you shoot archery, you spend a ton of time on the thought process and the focus of, you're aiming, how you're aiming, how you can aim better. Like, I beat myself up over it mentally pretty bad. Um, like, you know, if you're an inch outside, you're like, what did I do wrong? What could I do better? Da, da, da. So I just felt like that follow-through with my release, and then when you guys gave me a pe- just follow-through. Don't peek up from your scope right after your shot. Like, feel the shot, follow through, squeeze it, feel it, 
then look after the shot is done and over. Like your rifles reacted there, so I just tried to apply that. And I, I I do feel that it does have some it does have a lot more similarities, um, probably more than I ever probably would like to give credit for before talk, this experience. Yeah, like talk talk a little bit about the release you shoot. Yeah, Archer. I shoot, and, and you've probably talked about this before yeah, in your podcast before. But yeah, I like if there's anyone new listening, and because I haven't listened to all of them, like I thought it was really cool, and yeah. especially because I had seen it. So I'll give the, I heard this explanation through um, w- one of the world's best archers, Levi Morgan. He shoots a, a hinge release, which most people know is a back tension release, um, with a click. I shoot the Scott Hex, which is a it's kind of a hybrid back tension release, but it has a wrist strap like a cal- hunting caliber release, which most be- most people hunt with a caliper re- release. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it does, it forces me, you draw back with the strap, and then I can put my hands on it like a regular caliper re- release. I squeeze through, then partway through my, my pull-through on the shot, it'll go click, so I know that it's about to go off, and then you pull, 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 boom, your arrow goes off. So it's kind of a surprise shot. It prevents you from aim, 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 now punch, to where mm-hmm. a caliper release makes you do that. That 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 tall finger, I'm, I'm expressing this with my finger right now for people yeah. on podcast land. You got your finger up, finger up, punch when you shoot, which causes jerky shots. Shot, and if you're in a panic, a lot of guys in a tree stand, if your comes in hot, you draw, uh, punch, and you're like, oh, I don't need, did I look through my peep? I don't even know what I did. Whereas yeah. mine, I have a kisser. It's rushed. Yeah, it's rushed. Mine forces me to draw, put your kisser in place, feel the shot, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. There's your click. Squeeze, 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 shot. So it forces you to bury your pen. Aim, 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 aim. Squeeze, the arrow hits where you're going. Even if you're a little shaky, if you bury your pen and you're anchored and you're a little shaky over it, you squeeze through, your arrow will go where you're aiming. Mm-hmm. You have to just like trust that shot process. And that's kind of what I applied with with the rifle shot. Yeah. Is like I can feel it. And my fingers on the trigger, which is weird for me, but I'm thinking squeeze, 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 squeeze. Feel the shot, then look. That's where I applied. I don't know if that's like the correct way, now, but it I, felt right. I thought that crossover was super cool because I, yeah. I had never thought of it, and I have not archery hunted nearly as much as you have, mm-hmm. and I've rifle hunted a lot more and i and so i've never thought of that crossover like that yeah but once i had seen your process of archery hunting yeah and because you and, were you were quizzing me about it a little bit yeah and really got to experience it and see it and then ask about your release and how you did it and because like I, I wanted to learn right? yeah like, i, I want to learn it from I recommend you that getting are, that release, man. I think you'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, Especially like, as much as you like rifle hunting, you'd probably really enjoy that release. Yeah, I think that, like, I honestly think that helped you transition. cross over and transition mm-hmm. yeah. into that rifle because a lot of it is the same motion. Well, and it's just like and any, that steadiness. Any yeah. sport activity, it just shows how much follow-through is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because follow-through continues the motion. Like baseball, bat swing, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I thought... I, I was super impressed by that because it was like, oh, I haven't shot a rifle and I haven't killed anything. But depending on what your draw length is, Perfect. you're going to be fit a little different. We should probably shoot. Uh, maybe if you want, you can shoot my bow tomorrow before we leave. I think your bow is like three quarters of my entire height. <laughs> I shoot a long <laughs> bow. Um, oh, yeah, no, because Brandon bow hunts. Yeah. I do, but yeah. his, he shoots. I shoot like a longer axle axle bow. Uh, 
But you're probably what, a ritual thirty five. It's like you're quick. probably twenty eight inch draw though, close. Yeah, I'm yeah. like right around there, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty eight, like, somewhere around there. Yeah, you guys should shoot it tomorrow. We're all very average. I'll walk you through it. Yeah, twenty eight's average. Average human size. We're super. We're average. just average. Look, Remember, amazing great average. hunters, terrible. Kids. I think yes. Luke, <laughs> great. <laughs> this is a jaunt of a podcast, yeah. but I'm enjoying it. I think we got to talk about Lucas's. Okay. But. Yeah, and maybe we break this in two parts or not. I don't know. But, maybe we will. It's um, up to us. Okay. So, so we're gonna record all the way through. So. We are now at the point where. I don't even know how um, long we've been going, but where you it. have so you've an hour and forty six at this point, real record Ooh, time. Nelly. So you've transitioned to saying, okay, we gave it a go with the bow, and you've shot the rifle. If you're good about the rifle, you're going to go now do some rifle hunts. And meanwhile, along this whole time, I've been walking all over the countryside, <laughs> <You're> still walking <laughs> and seeing absolutely nothing. And God bless everyone involved in my nothing- nothingness. It's just I've seen nothing. Yeah, and you still came back positive, I might add. You might not have felt it on the inside, but you seem positive. No, I always feel it. Here's the thing, is that, so I'm a high and low guy. Like, I like, I like to feel the highs. I like to appreciate the lows. It, like, it all yeah. meets in the middle. Um, but it, that, that's, it's, it's fun for me. I like, so I, I go up, I go down. I, Sometimes I, those happen really quickly. <laughs> Sometimes those <laughs> happen quickly together. Uh-huh. So are we going to transition to my day four? Yeah. Is that what yeah. We're having? Okay. So day four is your day. day. Let's it, get into those quick transitions. Cause it, I, I feel like that's really, it's where it gets real, it's a big real day juicy. So, uh, so <laughs> since, I, since you haven't seen a buck yet, I hadn't seen a, a buck yet. Well, in the, minimal dose. Minimal dose, yeah. So basically, I'm just taking my rifle for a walk. And to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> I enjoy taking my rifle for a walk because, you know, it's a nice rifle. It does good things. It looks pretty. I'm just like, oh, well, let's go for a Likes walk. Likes to poop outside. It does. <laughs> Side note, someone's dog in this house literally went into our room and pooped on my bag, which was open, and on my pants. So I woke up one morning, there was dog poop on my pants. And I thought, well, it's either a dog or someone here in camp does not like me so that's where that comes from anyway so day four um we decide to first three days we basically hunted the same piece of land for three days straight and Mm. to no avail day four we're like hey we're gonna try a different space and i'm like thank god right (laughs) it's like it's a mindset thing at that point it really is it's like you know i i believe that the place that we were, there's there's bucks to be had. I totally get it. Um, we saw nothing. Like, I just need to change the pace at that point. Mm-hmm. Just probably more emotionally than anything. Yeah. So we go to a new spot where we're basically going to be driving up 10 miles up the road, you know, going into um, some land and then working our way back down. It's probably like a five-hour sort of hunt. We're yeah. six, seven miles of up and down different types of terrain. Um, so we get up there. Obviously, we start moving at, at daylight and immediately get into some big herds of elk, um, four shooter bulls in the herd, a couple of different uh, raghorns. And I'm sitting there going like, well, you know what? Not bucks, but I am. Awesome. Yeah, I, it's awesome. I'm seeing living things with antlers. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah, change of pace helps help pass the time yeah. a little bit, and you know, it, so that was that was great. Um, we moved down a little bit further, and we sit and we uh, we're going to be glassing a ridge, and all of a sudden, I I, I see a couple of bucks. I'm like, whoa, there, whoa. <laughs> here, here, whoa, what is this? This is amazing. Uh, you know, <laughs> Who put these here <laughs> after after three days of seeing nothing. You you actually start second guessing yourself. Like, do I? actually know what deer look like can i even do this like, may, like maybe 
I don't know what deer look like. <laughs> and so we're sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's a deer. I was like, oh, well, no, I obviously know what they look like. It's right there. It, they're pretty obvious when they're actually there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, me with a bow the first few days, I'd have been so bummed. Yeah. Oh, was, like, you know what I mean? It was the first three days were a hard three days. I'm not going to lie. I bet. But, um, so, we, and, the, and these are two bucks just chilling on this, in this face. And we you know I'm talking with uh, Sam or like, how do we want to approach this? We can go right and we can try to work this ridge. Um, the wind is, again is we, I, I don't know if I had a moment where the wind was in my favor. Like it was just always swirling, always against me. And I'm sitting there going like, yes, sun in my face, wind at the back. I'm just, this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag new. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, a quick assessment. We're like, they're feeding over this ridge. We got to move quick to see if we can even get close. Because once they go over the ridge, we're not going to really know what's going to happen. Right. So we move left. We lose elevation. We go down and we come up. And of course, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. They should have been gone. That's where they were headed. <laughs> um, and so we're like, well, that sucks. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we slowly are cresting over this, you know, this semi bald face where they where they should be. And as we get in over, all of a sudden, I see a couple of does, which you didn't see with them, but obviously they were. We were and so we stop. We pause. I slowly sink down, and I'm like, they're right over there. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, okay, let like we've got no cover. Wind's not in our favor. Mm. This is going to end poorly. <laughs> um, like you're thinking in your head, like how do we assess this situation? And sometimes, like you, you just have a chance. You just don't have a chance. It's really funny. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's. We're gonna move, slink down just a little bit, and just continue on, and maybe. You get a little closer, and one of the bucks are just right next to the doe, and you have a chance for a forty-yard shot, and that, yeah. you know that that can be a quick reaction shot for sure. Deal. So we start moving just a touch, and all of a sudden the doe moves over, and a five-point bull elk stands up, and I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> "Where'd you come from? I didn't know that story before no. this." And he looks at me, he's like, "Well, hey, where'd you come from?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I ah. feel like that's how all elk talk." Yeah, I know. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I came from that ridge over there. And he's like, well, I've been here all morning. He's like, and I don't appreciate your presence. And so he like burrows off into the trees. like, <laughs> and as he's barreling off, all of a sudden, he's a, he's a satellite bull. The main bull up like probably 100 yards above us in this timber patch is like, Brrr! and I'm sitting there going like, oh, great. So yeah, let's have a circus. <laughs> like, yeah. And then the doe's like, yep, no, peace. And then everything just it took goes, off from yeah. the, the elk. Yeah. Every, so everything goes, and I'm like, Huh. That that interaction is super interesting. Yeah, to me. literally the most action he's got in two months yeah. of hunting. Yeah, I hadn't seen anything for like for three days, and all of a sudden, like bull out, deer, bull, shoot, and everything just like explodes. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, and someone's pulling into camp. Oh. We're we're podcasting. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna come turn the lights off. Yes, yeah. we're gonna have a bunch of people come in here and <laughs> yeah. ruin our podcast. Just a heads up to the listeners. Yeah, just in case you hear a bunch of random voices. We'll be like, hey, yeah, we're recording, so just a heads up. So so everything scatters, and I look at Sam and I go, well, <clears throat> I guess we just continue on slowly but surely. <laughs> and so we can. We're, I mean, again, we're it, this is kind of still hunting at this point, where you're you're spotting and stalking, but at the same time you're moving slowly. Um, 
through your landscape to see like just what it kind of exists. Yeah. We move over the ridge um, to the other side where they're again, you know, mule deer have a tendency to bed under trees. They they bed against yeah rock faces, rim rock, and rim rock. They're you know they're three quarters of the way up the hill. All those sort of things. So those are the areas that we're checking out. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of peeking over the edge just to see if there's anything there. Don't really see anything. So I sit down. I'm glassing the other edge. Sam's behind me doing the same thing. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And I stand up. I take one more step forward, and all of a sudden, horns go boop, pop up, and just go, and <laughs> it's gone stupid. again. That stupid buck was like 30 yards in front of me, but on the uh, across this tiny rim rock face that you, you just couldn't see. Yeah, and he was just gone. And I was like, oh, sounds similar to this evening. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was very interesting. Look, look over there, six, seven hundred yards. Oh no, he's right there. He's right there. Two fifty, two sixty, two. They're sneaky, man. Oh, it was, and it was funny because it was. It, if I had taken two steps forward before, like in the quiet mode, I probably could have seen the antlers. But you don't, you know, there's those false faces on yeah. these ridges, and, and sometimes you don't feel like you you're looking so far out that it doesn't register. You just don't expect that. Well, might I, be right there. And I actually was looking right there in front of me, like before, because I, I always, as I approach these ridges, I I look over the immediate ridge just yeah. just, just to make sure I'm not going to screw anything up, and then I glass the far ridge. But it, like this, media, it had a couple of little mini false faces, and I just missed the the second false face. Right, right, is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. But again, these were the first bucks I've seen in now day four. Like that's I, and and keep in mind for listeners, like I think you're downplaying. We've already beat this earlier in the podcast. These are long days. These are long days. They're not easy. A lot of miles walking. They're a lot of miles, like ten mile plus days up and down. Yeah, and I say up, straight up, straight down. I didn't walk a lot of flat. <laughs> you you didn't, didn't walk any flat. flat. I didn't walk a lot of flat. Yeah, so I was I was putting in I was putting in the effort. Mm-hmm. Like say say if you walked sixty miles, you walked. Two miles of flatland, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. So, sure. so the the bucks blow out. Um, the cool part about that morning hunt, it took five hours, and we probably walked. I don't. Know, it was probably seven or eight miles. But mm-hmm. so it was. It was again still hunting, slow movement, glassing, um, but a lot of up and down. We saw six shooter bulls. Which was great. That's nuts. A couple of raghorns and a lot of elk, and I was like, "Well, that's really wonderful." Just you know, just uh, you don't have a tag. Don't have a tag for that. <laughs> um, so we get down. We come down to camp midday, like to kind of get changed up, put some new socks on, and all that jazz. And I'm like, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, <sighs> what are we gonna do next? And Sam goes, "Hey, we're gonna go back to the place we've been the first three days." And I'm like, "Great." <laughs> and he goes, "No." Awesome. He goes, you know what? No, there's 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 bucks in there. We haven't had luck, but there there's some in there. And I said, you know what? I believe you. I said, I don't know why, but you this is your gig. I get it. I was like, it's great country, and the what we have seen had been dwindling. But you know what? Let's let's go. Let's I'm, roll. I'm let's cautious. see what happens. I am cautiously optimistic, <laughs> and so we roll out there, and. Uh, <laughs> Bear in mind, I have not even, I have not, uh, I have racked around in, in stalking moments where there should be something, um, and then I will eject it when the time is necessary, but it, keeping my rifle on safety the whole time, so all of that jazz, but I've never, like, scoped 
anything that was the potential of success. Yeah. And so we're driving up there. As we pull up into the spot, like all of a sudden some does are under a tree. We're like, oh, there's some does. Like, oh, dear, they're they're out here. They're, well, this is new. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. great. Wow. Yeah, th- yeah, this is like you see three does, yeah. and this is nearly 33.3% of right. the entire population that you've seen. Right, in this area. <laughs> yeah. And we plan on going to the far end of this unit um, and then working our way down into a spot where um, – there should be some potential of activity mm-hmm. in the evening. And and this is like three thirty four, And so we're like, okay, this should be a good spot. But like, as we move up, all of a sudden, boom, there's these does. We're like, whoa, that's cool. Great for us. But we got another, you know, half mile to drive and all that sort of stuff. And so we go another 20 yards and all of a sudden we're like, whoop, bucks under a tree and leave the vehicle. Cause yeah, and these are, these aren't like road roads, right? This is like yeah. just like, these trails, are, yeah, much. more trails. You you drive to get to where you start, sort of stuff. Yeah, and so these bucks get up and start bolting, and I'm like, oh, oh my! No. <laughs> I was like, those. That is not what everybody's. These are not forkies that are just. You know, these are studs, r- real bucks, three megas. Yeah, and two two decent, and then one real buck, and mm. they just immediately bolt over the edge, and so. Uh, there's this is there's no time for thought process. There's only time for reaction. Um, I grab the gun. Um, Sam comes behind me. I, we're running to the edge because I'm thinking I know that this bowls out. I know that it's fairly open. Get to the edge. Mule deer like to run and stop. Um, there's probably a chance somewhere. We just got to we got to see if we can get that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Run to the edge, <clears throat> and as I'm running, rack one in, um, and. We get. I'm scanning, scanning, and all of a sudden, boom! To the right, there they are. They're running straight away, and I'm like, "Oh, you, you just see racks like they're three. They're bunched up, but you just see racks rolling." Yeah. And so I immediately just kind of jump down prone because there's a there's actually rocks and everything. It's it's, it's a good setup actually for for shooting something. Uh huh. And I. I go down prone. They actually stop um, a good distance away. It, you know, it's not like a close shot. It's not like when you're you're still hunting and something jumps up fifty yards and you're like, oh, right. it's right there. But it's also not four hundred yards. We're like, oh, this is far. Yeah, you know, it's like there's some weird middle distance there that um, that comes into play. But I I jump, I go prone, and I put the, <clears throat> the crosshairs up on the group, and they're fairly bunched up. And I'm like, I don't want to take an immediate shot because they're kind of bunched up. And I'm like. Center one's the big one. And Sam's like, Center one's the big one. And then, um, <laughs> what is I just, Center well, one's the big one. Yeah. Well, and you can tell that, I mean, this is a, this is a, a big mule deer buck. He's, you, uh, he's got the frame. We're and probably talking 20 inch or 200 inches. Like it's, that's a big boy. It's, it's substantial. Like, and it's, it's 200 inches in any deer species. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's a big boy, mega. And I'm going to tell you, I've gone from not singing a single buck. To seeing a smaller buck that I was like, I could shoot that in the morning. To this is basically the second, the biggest mule deer like you ever. Yeah, the second one I've ever seen, and it just so happens to be the biggest deer I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, oddly enough, like I wasn't like that didn't even cross my mind. Other than oh, he's big, right? They're bunched up. Now they're unbunched. Great, I got a shot. Right, and so right. it's funny because you take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, take, it, and I wasn't. I, I didn't. I, I didn't even count points. I didn't count. Like I wasn't like sucked into. I wasn't sucked into this whole like buck fever. Like oh, it was just like he's big. This is great. Uh, let's make this happen. Yeah, 
oh no, they're too bunched up. <laughs> this is not great. And then all of a sudden, oh, they're separate. Oh, this is great again. And so, right. and so I'm sitting down. I'm like, perfect. I got crossers on him. And I'll go, press the trigger. Nothing happens. Press the trigger. Pre-. I was like, what the? And I was like, oh, I was like, this is sweet. I didn't. I didn't flip the safety off. So now, and, uh, dude, and the worst. Now let's all take. Let's all take two uh, steps back. Because okay. like he, two steps back to the last three days that you've given me a hard time about not shooting the first yeah. one. Well, now you didn't shoot the first one because you're like <laughs> that passive aggressive comment. I'm yeah. not going to pull the trigger. Yeah, it was passive. It was yeah. more like you know. There's a lot of these guys out here, and I'm just not entirely sure I want to settle in the first 20 minutes of my day. To whereas me, I'm like, I have walked my ASS off for three days. I'm tired, I'm sweaty, and my feet hurt just a little bit. I'm cautiously optimistic, uh-huh. but I'm loving life. This is a gorgeous place to be. Oh, look at this giant buck. He, I think he wants to die. I'm going to actually shoot him. Oh, I why? think he wants to be yeah. in the Boone and Crockett record book. Yeah, why yeah. Why? And he would have been. Why is my gun not going off? Oh, this is because I've never actually lifted it up and looked through my scope in the last four Your days. Your brain lost programming. And, but I've been hiking so much that it's been on safety a lot. And so so that – here's the thing. That actually – this I call this my series of unfortunate events. That clicked on the series of, oh, safety on, safety off. So I clicked the safety off. Could have just pulled the trigger right there. But as I clicked the safety off, I see my dial in front of me. I was like – I should dial for this, right? They're sitting there. Yeah. I should, and so I, Sam, what's the distance? He's like, two. He said two fifteen. I heard in my head two fifty, so I dialed the two fifty real quick. But as I, I mean, all of this, of course, is happening over the course of like six or seven seconds. So yeah, in yeah. your head, it's a frantic yeah. type of moment. Yeah. yeah, it's it's more frantic than it should be. People but, listening but, realize that frantic honey moment because yeah. when you get the opportunity, it happens fast. Yeah. You and we're running, make moves. We're yeah. running from truck to the end of, of uh, Rimrock Rim, to immediately jumping down, going prone, yeah. scurrying up, racking around, looking at it, triggers not pulling, flipping the safety off, and then also I'm like, oh, I should dial. Because, it, again, it's not 50 yards. It's not 400 yards, but there's you know there's some sort of distance yeah. I, I should probably take an account for. And, and so, it, like, ex- explain a little bit more on what you're talking about, dialing your scope so in. This is, it, there may yeah, be some people point. that are not and this is, there may be some people right. listening that don't understand what you're talking about dialing your yeah. scope a lot of the for working class listeners that are bow hunters only might not get yeah. it and this is, I, it was a learning experience for me yeah. it's interesting because so we have what's called the custom dial system at Leopold and um, it's actually it's complex in its internals but it's actually not complex in its functionality to whereas you have for a the dial- user it's super simple yeah, yeah. so Comple- it- complex in the manufacturing yep. Super simple. For Super the user. simple for user. You get your you get your gun. Um, you put your scope on it. It comes with an MOA dial standard. You get your ballistics off it, so your muzzle velocity, your bullet coefficient, um, and then you just put in your average altitude, temperature, those sort of things. And then we burn you a dial for your specific load and your mm-hmm. gun. So basically, burn you means you like laser. We laser the dial, the numbers in there, and so then you take the MOA dial off the one that comes on the scope. You put the new one on, which is a couple of set screws, and then now instead of saying, "Oh, he's 400 yards away," I need to, uh, I need to hold over, like raise my reticle above mm-hmm. my kill zone by X amount of inches. You literally just turn the dial to four at 400 yards, and you aim dead on, and and that is it, it's it's. Simple. It, it's simple. All the ballistics are in that dial. Mm-hmm. Now, which in a situation like this, like 
your situation, my situation, where it's and in a lot of hunting situations where it happens so quickly, so quickly, that's important. It's yeah. well. Well, it, for no. for bow hunters, it's like the HHA single pin sight. Right. You roll your dial, mm-hmm. 30, 31 yards, you can roll it to that increment. 40, yeah. 50, 60, 70, 80, all the way to 100 with right a bow. Right where you need to be. And that, right there's a big difference be. between being able to hold dead on where you know the exact kill zone is versus, high. oh, I think I need to hold I need this. 10 inches over. high or 12 inches high. Yeah, it makes that's it, tough. Now, here's the, here's the fallacy. Is that just like with the single pin, yep. on most modern bows, the difference between 20 and 30 yards, fairly negligible to a kill zone. Yep. So you're probably talking a couple inches. Yep. Yep. Um, the difference between 100 and 200 yards with most rifles, fairly negligible. Mm-hmm. What about when one or two inches. What about when they're running? What? We're going <laughs> to... So, I'll just set them up. So, here, so here's the thing. So... As soon as I heard the distance, I should have just pressed the trigger because my dial set at one. I don't need to move it to two. The kill zone is is in that range, right? But oddly enough, because of because I'm involved in the marketing pieces of yeah, that, and, and my you're mind, shooting a well, very flat shooting gun. Yes, but, shooting a six five Creedmoor. Yeah. It's very flat shooting. Absolutely, but my mind immediately goes to as soon as I went safety, like the safety issue happened. To fire, to dial, to so all of a sudden I went through because when you when you're practicing, you go through the process. Right, it's safety off. Oh, your your dial's right. Take the and so that process actually kicked in to before I was instinctual. Mm-hmm. It's on him. I'm going to press the trigger and go. Uh, right, <laughs> and and so and and had my safety been had I flipped that when I went down, I would have just probably smoked that buck right there. Right, yeah, but because then. That actually re-triggered my process. It took too long, and they started to run. Right, and so right. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so he starts to run. Now, here's the deal: this shows you how like split second these deer it, are. No, time. and it's funny. Yeah, and, th- it, this is like over how the, long? I mean, you have to think that by from the, the from the time you when get I, out when, of the vehicle, get set up, prone position. Thirty seconds, most. Yeah, right. And and this, and I'm traveling twenty yards, to, right? Because for vehicle to, but it, it seems like it's even when I go ten fifteen minutes. But even it's when I go seconds. prone to deer, click, yes, click, click. separated. Nope, nope, nope. Ah, safety. And then so let's just go from no, no, no to safety to actually dial. In. That that's probably three yeah. seconds. Yeah, I mean it's quick. It happens very very Super fast. Quick. But in your mind, it's a minute. Yeah. It, it actually, so it's, it's yeah. the, the instinctual part is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, long story long. Um, so I'm doing all this at the same time. Dial, click, 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 doesn't work. And then they take off. I'm like, no big deal. I grew up shooting whitetail on the run. And I'm like, big one still in the middle, lots of space, lead, fire, clean miss. They take off. I'm like, well, <laughs> expected. <laughs> expected. Because I, I go, I haven't I haven't actually shot an animal on the run in 20 years. I used to yeah, shoot animals on the run. 20 years ago, I aimed for an animal on the run and then as soon as I squeezed the trigger, I was like, that's an animal on the trot. <laughs> Not the <laughs> like, run. No, Not were, full sprint. No, yeah, they were they were spooked and they were moving, but and so it was clean up into the left. Was a mule deer bounce? Just yeah, and so I just completely missed. And it was one of those things where all of the factors combined, um, 
And it had, it was so funny, had nothing to do with how big he was. It was just like, had the circumstance. I, yeah, had I just had I just yeah. as I went down and went safety first, it would I would have been fine. I yeah. think every and, hunter knows that circumstance. That mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, there he is. Like well, bow hunter, gun hunter, whatever hunter. Like the frantic, your brain's not. You're you're so excited to get the opportunity mm-hmm. exactly. that you're kind of in freak out mode. Yeah. Well, and with and actually, and I would almost. So I would agree and disagree at the same time. Mm-hmm. To whereas it's not freak out mode as as much as it's hurried execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's moment pressure. And we don't practice hurried execution. Well, and that's where I, I like. I was just going to say, like, where I think practice probably is super important because those situations, right? Like, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of guys out there, whether it's. But, you know, whether it's archery or rifle, you know, they go out, they shoot a couple times like, oh, yeah, I'm on. I'm good. Yeah. Yep. But that that means that you can make a good shot. Yeah. When yeah. everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I think you but need the but more you practice, the more it becomes muscle memory, instinctual. Right. And but, in those but you know what I think you need in those situations? Sorry, Lucas, to cut you off a little bit. But I think what you would need is like. You need a buddy it, to practice for that exact situation, bow and, bow and rifle. You would almost need Lucas to be 200 yards out, Brandon to be at where he's going to shoot from, and then you run up as fast as you can with your rifle just to get your adrenaline heavy breathing going. You get down and prone, we'll say, we'll just throw a random mm-hmm. pos- shooting position or bow position. You run up and you got to shoot from your knees, same distance. Like We'll go two at the same time. I'll explain these. And then... For the rifle shot, Brandon goes, he's at 333 yards, and you didn't know that distance. And, you got and then you got 12 seconds to shoot, and then a buzzer goes off. Beep, don't shoot. You missed him. He's gone. And at that 12 seconds is actually probably five. Probably uh-huh. five, yeah. And with a bow, same thing. I run up with my bow, mm-hmm. sprinting. I get there. Yeah. I don't know what the distance is. I have to, you got to get on your knees because yep. you can't shoot yep. underneath that branch. All right, Kurt, he's at 43 yards. Draw. and yeah. All right, I'm draw. Beep. But you didn't shoot him in five seconds. You missed him. And that's real. And that's one of those things where it comes from. Like, um, and and to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> I'm not mad um, at those at all. Actually, that's an interesting. It's an interesting scenario because, like your scenario with the deer that you passed on, um, that it didn't <laughs> voluntarily feel, involuntary, voluntary but involuntary. It didn't feel like the traditional hunt you had expected. Mm-hmm. When I was running out of the truck, I was like, "This is a." big deer and anybody in their right mind would love to have this deer it was so reactionary it wasn't the hunt that i expect and i had worked my butt off for three full days it wasn't the hunt that i expected which which didn't it didn't come into play with my ability to say yep i'm gonna smoke this deer because he's huge and anyone Mm -hmm. would take this deer but emotionally though i was like oh this doesn't feel it doesn't feel like what i wanted it to feel like it does bring on a very interesting perspective of like the mentality of hunting yeah right yeah like we we know that definitely especially when you get out west the physical aspect of hunting but that mental aspect of it right and like being ready for that that opportunity and and like you said like you create a situation in your mind that you think is going to be what it what it should be and it's not and it's not and and that just but it happens it, so fast it throws you but off the a thing little is bit. though is that that's okay 
Yeah, and I, and that's I think 100% and, okay. and I think that's what we with the with because the, it's, it's real in the Instagram world we live in. That's portrayed as not Great way okay. To put that, by the way, and and I don't and I think that the the problem is is that we're we are all beholden to this perfect scenario that doesn't exist. Yeah, and so here's the thing, I it's the real it's like the the. It's like the Kim Kardashian. Everyone thinks she's like the the high figure. She messes up every day. Oh yeah. I don't know if that's a great analogy or not. I got sidetracked. Yeah. But well, I think it's pretty obvious. That's that what I thought of every day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bad no, example. No. <laughs> no, but so 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 I'm gonna, so I'm going to go back. You get what I'm trying. What I'm I going do. for. I don't know celebrities. No, man. absolutely. So I, I'm going to finish this. Scenario. It's the only one I knew is that. Um, so I so there was a, there was some mechanical things that that went awry mm-hmm. and didn't get the first shot off. Then everything moved. I hadn't practiced moving shots in a long time. Yeah, that's just a hard shot to make at yeah, in, no. in, at any distance. You ha- you've got to be you've got to be there. Um, and so, but again, so that fell apart. No big deal. Is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like we. It's either buck fever, excitement, or this. No, I actually was. I actually felt really confident in the whole situation. Other than I just didn't have the right information. It is what, what are you going to do? You yeah. know, and and I'm okay with that, right? Just there, it, it's just as when things are fast, things get a little screwy. It just is what it is. Yep. So so we go back to the the truck, grab our packs, regroup. We go to where the action happened, just to double check to make sure. As soon as I squeezed the trigger, I knew I didn't hit that buck because like it, it's so funny how fast and slow things go at the same time. Yeah. To where I pulled the trigger and I go, hmm, no, you. He wouldn't. He wouldn't run in that fast. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a, uh, immediately. That's a clean miss. And yeah, he, but we go. We, you know, like yeah, when you know, you know. We go. We double check just to make sure, and it's it's really obviously that there was just like, yep, clean miss. Uh, now let's move up to see where they. We saw where they kind of filtered up onto this plateau. Yeah, um, and you know, mule deer they they don't necessarily bolt a hundred percent, and so let's go. Yeah. Let's go check it out. Long. I have a tendency, if you've listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been a part of on the Lupo Core Insider, mm-hmm. um, boy, I analyze what I do a lot, and I beat myself up quite a bit, and it is what it is. And I'm working on that. <laughs> you got really down on yourself. That's important. Though. So I was down because I was like, you know what? I was like, all those 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 tiny, my series of unfortunate yeah. events, those were actually all very avoidable had I had been able to just to slow down the process just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I consider myself fairly average at most things, but not bad at most yeah. things. So it's like I can, at any instance, like all of those things are success moments in my life. I'm, I might not be able to, you know, put five shots within the size of a penny at, at 400 yards, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. But you know what? I'm very confident at, at getting a kill shot at most distances right. in most situations. Control the controllables. Like exactly, you know, like safeties <laughs> and things like that, that are a thumb switch away. Yeah, I appreciate that. Man, these digs. Yep. No, it's great. It, it's, it's great. It's a so, dig because I didn't even pull the trigger. You're right. Because you, <laughs> control the controllables. Decide to shoot. Yes. <laughs> it, so we move up in the plateau. We're, we're Again, we're going slow. We're assessing the situation. And I look to the left, and all of a sudden, two of the bucks were 200 yards away again, and filtering through the junipers. Um, not going to take a 200-yard offhand shot. Uh, I got Sam behind me. I'm like, 
there they are. I go down to a knee because I've, I've actually made 200-yard knee shots before. Yeah. Not an issue. But when I, when I go down, we've got brush and rocks in the way. Right. And so then I stand back up, go back. To, it, the shot's not there. Try to make a quick sneak into the rocks to actually have a shot. But, of course, they sneak off and move. Right. And so at this point, this is now the third time we've seen them. Tree to then the running away group shot yep. to then up on the plateau. Um, then they sneak off away again, and we're like, whew, well, this is unfortunate. Yeah. I'm obviously beating myself up. Because yeah, of course. Any competitive person. You're going to you know, do that, yeah. especially in hunting, Who man. wouldn't? Is you you is. put the time in, and, and that happens. And, and I think that's that's the biggest thing. I put the time in. Like, for, yeah. I mean, put some serious miles in. Yeah. This is the the first real opportunity I had, and a real opportunity at a massive Massive. Which is even more heartbreaking. Yeah, which is like, oh, yeah. It's like, that's terrible. It's just that thick layer of icing right on yeah. top of that situation. Yeah, but you know, but again, cautiously optimistic. Take a breath. We look at each other like, okay, well, let's not pressure them right away. Let's move over to the edge. Let's think about this. And as we like take 50 yard walk to the edge, I look over and a thousand yards away across the ridge line, I just see another deer in this, you know, uh, it's an open ridge line, but the gap on our side has trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I see it through this three yard gap, just rack. And I'm like, well, there's a big one over there. Why don't we just go after that one? And, <laughs> and Sam looks casually. Like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that is a big one. <laughs> so we spotted up. And again, in this area, we had seen nothing for three days. And now all of a sudden, three shooter bucks. And then on the, a fourth on the ridge, we're like, how weird is that? Oh, it's crazy. Mule, mule deer are so mysterious to me. And Unreal. maybe because I'm from the Midwest, I don't mm-hmm. know if you agree. They just seem mysterious. Yeah, it's it was interesting. Like, what's the difference in the days? They're just uh, there now. Just there and not. I don't. It's it, I, I, I hadn't experienced anything like this before. Yeah. So they're 900 yards away. We we glass them up. We're watching them. Um, they're just kind of moving slowly along this ridge. Yeah. Uh, and we don't want to make any. You know, I'm not going to go and try to sneak up on them, not knowing where they're going, because right. you, you just. If you lose sight, lose elevation, you you lose your advantage. Yeah. Um, so we watched them for about 10 minutes, and they just so happened to bed down right there on the ridge under a tree. And now we're 900 yards away, so we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do we want to move left and down and up and over, or do we want to move right and try to hold some elevation? Did you spot this buck through a spotting scope or no. just your binos? No, a naked eye. Oh, naked eye. Yeah, it was really funny because it's one of those things where after three days of not seeing anything, I was like, oh, I am terrible at hunting. And I'm probably terrible at seeing animals. Yeah. But then when animals are actually there, you're like, oh, no, you can actually see them. But this was just one of those things where um, it's funny how you might miss something right in front of you, but then you can actually see the most finite detail. How at a- I feel like in this country, you're, um, my reaction is, is to always look far. I don't know. It, it was weird, but it was, bit. it was, one, of those, it was yeah. one of those things where no binos or anything thousand yards away. I see movement, and I just, you do the mini focus of your eyes, and I see rack, and I'm like, oh. And then I pull up the binos like, that's a big buck. But yeah. you, knew, you knew it was before because yeah, yeah. it caught your eye from a thousand yards away. That's a big buck. <laughs> that's a big buck. And so then um, so we decide that we can slink around. We're going to go the right side. Uh, see how close we can get, knowing that elevation is going to be an issue, tree line is going to be an issue. More than likely, I'm going to be looking at a 350 to 550 yard shot, depending on what we can, uh, jaunt. what we can get. Yeah. Um, and so we move in. We end up settling in at 460 yards. Um, 
any closer we lose a lot of advantage mm-hmm. and uh we've got an hour and a half to sunset and these deer are bedded down we get a good setup and can, can i can i interrupt for yep. like kind of like a a gear yeah product yeah, type yeah, yeah. thing what range finder are you ranging this at because it's um i, I just i i guess it's a good point to to kind of plug what rangefinder you're using, because I feel like at mm-hmm. those distances, you mm-hmm. need an accurate judge. And I'm yeah. going to step in on that when you're done. So we, I was using the RX 1600, mm-hmm. um, which is our... I, have, I love that rangefinder. Obviously, the Leupold rangefinder. Um, and we, we had actually recently done a lot of tests at work on rangefinders and distances. And the one thing that people don't realize is that most rangefinders, when you're doing a... Uh, what, what it says in the box... Uh, 1600, 2800, 4500, 5000, 3000, whatever that is, a lot of times that is a reflective target distance. So a uh, rangefinder shoot out pulses of lasers, hit a, a target, those pulses come back. Depending on that time, space, speed, blah, 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 engineering talk, you get a distance. <laughs> and so a reflective target is much easier to get a read back. Oh, um, okay. Because yep. it bounces quicker. It bounces right? quicker. There's, there's, no there's no absorption of that laser. Correct. Um, but we go through great pains to make sure that we can reflect on hard targets, dark targets, yeah. um, and get really accurate readings. So you got a 1600, it's going to hit a soft target like a tree or a deer at 1200 yards and give you a reading. To where is a lot of other ones, like it actually might max out at six or 700 yards. Yeah. So it might say 1600 or 1800 or whatever, but it ain't going to range that unless you're ranging a stop sign. And so I, I will second that. Because this this week was actually the first week that I got to mess around with the sixteen hundred. Yeah, I was blown away at how quick you touch the button, and nearly about the time you release the button, you get a reading. Yeah, it's slick. That that speed. If you listen to the last mumble jumble of stories we've talked about of how quick things happen of when a deer mm-hmm. shows up, you have to make a decision how far Especially it is. Especially hunting. Yep. And, and then that, like that minute amount of time can be the difference. And it can mean the difference in those quick situations. It could also mean the difference in these situations that now I've found. So I found myself in the quick situation where I failed miserably mm-hmm. or I didn't react appropriately. I beat myself up and say I failed miserably, but it is what it is. And now I'm in the I'm in a more uh, long-term situation here where I've got time to make to make choice. Yeah. If you can't range the distance and then know where you need to go to meet that distance, like it's not just saying, hey, I need to range 1,600 yards and shoot 1,600 yards. No one's going to do that. But I can, I can range and say, hey, he's 1,200 yards away. I can now range in front of me and say, I need to get to this point here yeah. to make sure yeah. that that now is a, so now I have, I, I need to close a four or 500 yeah. yard gap, and I, but I can pick to where that gap equals. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did the test with the 2,800, we were mm-hmm. arranging soft targets at like 2,200 yards to where a lot of the competitors that, you know, that, that were like 4,000 yard sort of reflective target ranges. They were capping out at like 1,200 yards. Yeah. And so that's a big gap of an advertised range. Yeah. Distance yeah. Versus and people need to understand like almost a little an strange. animal is a soft target. It is. An animal yeah. tree, a hillside, those sort of like things. Like a giant yeah. mirror would be your giant yeah, reflective yeah. target. Yeah, they're going to give you 4,000 yards the whole, the whole time, but no one's ranging that. No one's hunting mirrors. No. And even steel. <laughs> and, yeah. It, 
And even steel Could target. Be, other than Kim. Stuff. <laughs> <What's> yeah. <laughs> I said other than Kim. <laughs> hey. Bless so, her heart. Sweet girl. So, um, uh, so, so yes, so that, that hits the, the ranging thing. So we decided we need to move over. We settle in at 460 yards. Um, we've got about, uh, A, I guess we're, we're, there's two pieces to this story that are, that might be interesting, might create comments, um, feedback, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. One is what's the ethical distance for shooting an animal? Um, yeah. I, you know, I think you talk to most hunters, you know, 500 and under, it, it, if you're capable totally fine yeah. you get that five to seven hundred yard range you know people start thinking about it talking about it questioning it 700 plus it's it becomes a debate and i think um, it depends on how much you practice it ha- well there's it's multiple things it's, yeah. it's how much you that, practice a lot it's the conditions it's the same archery the debate just mm-hmm, right. magnified in distance mm-hmm. it, because it's, you can practice all you want but it's like a ratio yeah it's a ratio that's and, the best way to yeah. roughly explain it yeah, and it's interesting like animal movement wind um, there, there's just a lot of things to go. And, yeah. and, and as hunters, yep. And as yeah. as hunters, we try to remove as many of those barriers as possible, right? Yeah. Because no one wants to wound anything. The worst feeling in the world is, no, to, is to wound something. As hunters, we're it's, the most protective. It's, yeah, it's yep. terrible. So. Anyway, uh, the second piece of that debate, um, which I I've listened to several podcasts and um, I, I I actually find it fairly interesting as a debate is whether or not you you should shoot a bedded deer. Or elk or whatever. I never heard uh, that because that happens. I mean, it rarely in, in bow, bow but yeah. rarely. But, yeah, and yeah. and you know, and, and what's funny is that the it's like, well, is it ethical to shoot a bedded deer because it's bedded and it's just not fair? Which I'm like, this, you found them bedded. That's pretty fair. Well, I'm like, this stuff is really hard, and if you found them and it's a decent target, you take advantage of that and. You know what? I would rather die in my sleep too. So let's just—I <laughs> love. That. I'm like, how many miles and yeah, the how other many miles have you walked at now, this point? You know? The other piece is um, a a laying down animal is going to compress the, the the organs, the kill uh, zone is is going to shift slightly, and so are you like, can you make that judgment and make sure you make a clean kill? And it, yeah. so I respect that a little bit more, right? Right. There, um, but I, I get know, what they're saying. Yep. And I talked with Sam, and we, we said, hey, you know what? We we fall in the same line of the ethical dilemma. We decide that a a clear bedded deer fair game as long as we feel comfortable. Yeah. So. Um, and we made that, we had that conversation early on too, so that we were both on yeah. the same page. Good solid rest and, yep. and everything. So like, as and, you go into and, this, and explain that please. Solid rest, uh, making sure you have three points of contact, making sure that you, you feel comfortable in, you feel like you, basically you feel like you can remove any of your variables to make a clean and clear shot. Yeah. Um, and then the environmentals, like for instance, the day before, or the, that morning, I could have taken a 550-yard shot on the deer that we had seen across the canyon. The wind was howling. Uh, it was there was weird angles. Mm-hmm. There was no way. Yeah, I just it was just like there. The environmental conditions did not even remotely make me believe like that was going to be a smart and or ethical shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we move in on this one. Sell at 460. I've got I've. Moved my bag out. It's a good rest. I actually have a rock under the back end. It's a great point of contact. I mean, I am as solid and as steady can be. At this four sixty, felt like a hundred. Yeah, like, so th- like that's one thing that I I think a lot of people may miss if they haven't done a lot of like mm-hmm. long range shooting is putting something under 
the butt the, of the, the butt of the gun, yeah. the rear of the gun. Huge difference. Makes I learned that big huge time. Difference mm-hmm. versus huge difference. if like if you have a bipod on your gun, if you can have the bipod down or have the the front of the gun resting on something and then also have something on the rear of the gun. Yeah. That makes a huge difference because yep. you don't you don't have that kilter of like side to side or mm-hmm. or down movement nearly you can, as much. You yeah. can and it's, you can fine tune it too, it's like solid. Which is why a lot of people at long range use sandbags because you have mm-hmm. the sandbag as that point of contact. You can actually put your arm under there and pinch it, and you're just doing subtle pinching movements to make those fine tune yeah. adjustments. Might yeah, um, and that and it's, it makes a huge difference because the further you are, everything is magnet. Absolutely, it's, it's magnified, magnified. Yep. just like a bow, man. Yep. So, <laughs> so I was, mm-hmm. I was set. I felt really good about the whole situation. Um, but lo and behold, the two dudes that were, were with them, there was a two by three with this buck that bedded down right in front of it, <laughs> and so we're like, "Well, this is great. Yeah. Um, not a big deal." They didn't know we were there. Uh, we, you know, we were at a, at a good spot. Uh, we just needed, we needed that. Everybody, Smaller buck yeah, to get out. Just waiting them out. At this we did, point. We, yeah, waiting them out. We just needed things to separate. Um, it took an hour and a half, and it's the afternoon. Wow. It's the afternoon. Sun's going which down. is crazy. So the sun is going down. They are. Uh, the sun is setting right behind them, and I mean the sun. Is, I mean, it's creating uh, glare. It's creating all glare. That. All that stuff. Yeah. Which is interesting, though, is that, and this is going to be a shameless product plug. The sun set right behind these deer, and there was as I moved around in the scope, there was only two subtle movements that I made that would make it a um, a glare induced impossible shot. Otherwise, I could have shot at any given time with the sun directly behind the animals. And you need to talk about how long you were in the prone position. I was in. On these deer because because that's gonna really set up for the yeah for, for so, the rest of your story from so we're so just we're, the, the rest of it. I'm not even gonna does, go into dude. it, but it so, is pretty funny what so, goes on after. So I'm thinking that I'm gonna be able to get this shot off within the first ten minutes of going prone because uh, we already decided that we're we're gonna shoot. You feel like it's gonna happen. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and it was funny too because Sam. The great, great guy to hunt with, but he, you know, he saw the debacle that happened earlier, and he's like, "We need to get closer." And I'm like, "Sam, I don't need to get closer." Debacle meaning you missing the the, the Boone and Croc, the, the Boone the and at 200 plus inch mule deer. Yes. Yeah, okay. The I thing, just wanted to clarify yeah, that. For nope, the that's a real story, <laughs> real tough, thing. Dude. Come on, here's the, here's give the, deal. the guy a break. Here's the deal. <laughs> life is life, real life. I could omit that from the podcast. No one would ever need to know about it. Life is life. It's out real is real. Um, but yes, he saw that and said, you know what? I might need to get this guy closer. <laughs> and I said, Sam, nope. I said, to be honest with you, where this, I've, I, this, I've never felt more confident than I do right now. Rock solid at four six. Rock solid. You just at know when you know, you know when you know. And so, but I'm sitting there prone thinking 10 minutes and this is going to be done. But then there's this little deer in front of the other deer and, Ten minutes turns into an hour and a half, and I'm at a mm. slightly awkward angle. A lot of pressure on my elbows. My back is like kind of candid, and all of a yeah. sudden, like my elbow starts going numb. My arm starts shaking because it's going numb. I can feel my back twinging. <laughs> I mean, if you ever just, just it's an awkward position, just man. Go and lay on your kitchen floor on your stomach for an hour and a half, 
and see how you feel. Like it, it, it starts to wear on you. And now this is the kitchen floor. Add a couple of rocks in different places, and they like bend. You feel back. the pressure points, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And so I'm sitting going like, man, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm like, and so as the sun's setting, um, it actually the sun sets during this whole process, uh, and finally the little buck gets up, and I'm like, I'm like Sam, I, I got to take this shot here pretty soon. I was like. I'm not kidding. My left arm is going numb yeah. and it's getting shaky. And I was like, and I, so I feel really good right now, but like physiological things are happening. Like my back <laughs> is cramping up. Like I've been here for a while. Like this yeah. is, this is not, this is weird. Like I feel good. I don't want this to feel bad. And he's like, totally get it. He's like, Oh, the little one's getting up. He's like, okay, just let it pass. Let it pass. I'm like, great. I was like, he's open. How do you feel? He's like, I think he's going to stand up in a minute. I was like, okay. I mean, a stand-up shot is better. Like, I totally agree. I was like, but I feel good about this. He's like, well, let's just see if he stands up. Ten minutes goes by. The big buck's just sitting there. I was like, finally, I was like, Sam, I feel really good about this shot. This is exactly where I'm going to aim. He's like, yep, that's that's a good spot to aim. I was like, do you feel comfortable with this shot if I can hit that spot? He's like, Lucas, if you feel comfortable, take the shot. (laughs) 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 like i'm telling you no delay like an hour and a half later you felt comfortable i've been looking at this shot for and i gotta tell you like as soon as he said i'm okay with it and literally like it 460 yards later that the deer hit it it stands up and falls down it didn't move a foot like it was done immediately um, which again, pretty I've been, much what you want. Which it, what you want. I yeah. mean, it, it. I've never seen something just not move. It didn't move at all, and uh, and I was That's just awesome. Like, it was great, and, and I was of course relieved too. Cause yeah, well, so at the end of the day, I experienced my debacle earlier too, and so in my mind, even though I looked at this, I was like, this is two and a half times the distance, but I felt felt so good about it. Yeah, and so when it actually played out perfectly, I was like, see. That that's how it should work. <laughs> what did you do after the shot? Like, what was your so, reaction? So then I so yes, immediately please. I was like, I was like, I actually wanted to give Sam a hug because we we had been through some stuff together. <laughs> it's and so yeah, it's been rough. so I get up. I'm like, he wants to shake my hand. I'm like, no, bro, we're hugging. But as I stand up, like literally, left calf, right hammy, just cramp. Like, <laughs> and it cramps so hard that I like go to reach out to hug him and just literally tip over. I'm like. Ugh. Face planting the rocks. <laughs> and you know how when you get a big old cramp in those big muscles, you're like, and you're trying to stretch them out to make it go away. So I'm like flailing around a little bit on the thing. I was like, okay, okay, oh, cramp, oh, cramp, okay, oh, cramp, 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 cramp. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, like, I, I flex it out and then I pop up and give him a big hug. And I was like, I told you I wasn't lying about my cramps. I was like, I was, I'd been sitting there for so long that, like, this was going to go south quick. And so, as, and and as soon as I changed, and, like literally, my body just goes, and I was tightened up. And just, at this point, the sun had already like it's set. set. Oh, like, it's set. You're talking what, like fifteen, we'd, twenty minutes more of shooting light? Yeah, we had, maybe. Yeah, we had may, maybe fifteen, twenty minutes of shooting light because, mm-hmm. and we had sat there for a while. Um, and yeah. so to see that, like for it all to play out, and to your point about like what the hunt should feel like, um, while. Anybody would love to shoot a booner. And, I mean, that buck was big. The freneticness of that situation, um, it's not the hunt that I actually wanted. 
Right. And so to be able to spot something, to be able to stock up on it, to be able to wait for the right moment and to be able to make that shot from a mule deer mm-hmm. standpoint, yeah. the hunt that I ended up with, it was her it felt so perfect it made it right. complete it right. made it like, complete and it was and it was a great buck like and at the end of the day i mean we're gonna probably yeah. we'll tape this it's thing out one it's, it's probably 180 it's 180 maybe 180 185 yeah. um and, but it's it, the biggest thing i've ever shot it's it's a pretty buck um Dude, and, i was so pumped when when you you sent us in the group text buck down 460 yards yeah it was it was cool and to and, and to uh to make that shot after the debacle before, and actually, to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> um, to not see anything for three days. I mean, I'm talking nothing for three days. To then seeing a, a maybe shooter that escapes you, a booner that you totally screw up, and then a really nice muley that you seal the deal on and in a perfect. Uh, spot and stock scenario. Yeah. Like that was a very compressed day, like yeah. over the course of everything. And well, then of course, and the, and yeah. you know, we talked earlier That's about the whole, is. the whole experience. Um, then to go and be able to field dress it, you know, to bone or we quartered it out and carry it out under yeah. the moonlight. That like, was awesome. I, yeah, and some people like so cool. Some people will say, "Oh yeah, you know, once you get it down, that's when the work starts and the fun stops." It's like, no, that's when the the, the fun the, work. The, the fun. It's fun work. Like, yeah, yeah. The work starts, but that's the why fun, you're there yeah, though. The fun doesn't stop. Like I, I, I will never, I will never forget that experience. Yeah, like walking up the ridge. Yeah, and like you guys listening don't know, but they call and we head up there to go help out. And Lucas and Sam are up there, and me and Gordy head up, and uh, I, I can. Lucas had left his headlamp on flashing. the flashing mode, like the SOS mode, yeah, so he could see us on a tree, so that I could see the light and I could see it from like the main road. So it's pitch black. We don't even leave a truck until. I don't know, like nine o'clock <laughs> maybe ish. Nine. I got dropped off at camp. Maybe? By the way, before I went out there, yeah. I was shot. Yeah. So Kurt's back in camp. Me and Gordy a little frustrated. Off. My and it, yeah, and it, it. I mean, it's pitch black. So I I look at Onyx maps, and I we don't have service down there. So we go up, we get service. We've been driving around forever trying to figure out some road. Blah blah blah. Long story short, I'm like. This is where they're at. We're going to walk up to this ridge. And I remember climbing up this steep grade and getting on the flat and seeing the moonlight. And I just turned my headlamp off. It's gorgeous. And I just looked like, just stood there in the moonlight. And, and I could see the entire ridge. And like, it's a in crisp, the the crisp air. The stars are on fire. It was amazing. And I mean, and that's the, and that's what people don't get to experience, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what your, your normal, non-hunter who whatever that person's experience is you don't get to be in the middle of it like this existence where it's yeah. it it's literally you the stars god whatever you want to believe in it's it's like and that's it yeah for me i was yeah. like there's nothing else this this is why i do yeah it's such yes. a refreshing like clean feeling yeah and yes. and that's why it bothers me when people are like well 
That's when the work starts. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, that's, I mean, this you, is why it, we're I here. Mean, it, yeah. It's work. Don't get me yeah. wrong. We were sweating it's, by the time we got back to the truck. But, but yeah. when the when the work starts, the fun doesn't stop. And yeah. I think that's the that's the mistake you, that a lot of people when make. When you think about this, though, three days before the more oh. the more miserable the experience, in a way, type two fun. The more fun the experience, yeah. because you don't ever tell anybody about the easy yeah. stuff. So what you know, what's really you funny. Know? What's 100%. really funny is that, um, yeah. To, if I had shot in that booner with in that frenetic, like two hundred yards from the truck sort of scenario, right? The story changes completely. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, cool! Yes. I shot a giant. Yeah. And there's you a, don't have and all there's that. a giant on the wall, and you could be like, no one's going to shoot one that big. But then that's it. But this was an experience. Experience. There's like, texture to your story. So much texture. <laughs> What's really funny is that when Brandon and uh, Gordy show up, we had already kind of given up on them. And I had actually had half the deer <laughs> in my pack. I'm showing up. Yeah. I had half the deer in my pack, and I was actually a mile towards our truck, and then they show up. So then I had to walk a mile back <laughs> to meet them <laughs> at the spot. And then we had to walk another and half, we pretty much quarter of a mile down back to the... So my two-mile packout actually became a three-and-a-half-mile packout. <laughs> we pretty much met exactly where you had shot yeah. that buck. Yeah. So I got dropped. We well, met me, at the tree well, let me add this. Where, got, the, where the meat was hanging. I got dropped off at camp, and me and Sierra are sitting in camp, and then I get a text from uh, Lucas saying, two-mile packout, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, crap. They're not going to be back to camp for, like, a long time. And then I immediately felt guilty that I didn't go with. <laughs> so sorry about that. But it's all good though. It's all good. That's just it's one of those things. And you know what's funny too? Is that in these scenarios where you go, um, there's different versions of guided hunts and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and for me this one was it felt very much like a public land hunt to where it's mm-hmm. like again, there was a lot of grit that was put into it, but yeah, I think people it's, feel like a guided hunt is like an easy hunt. It's well, not no, the case. And in some in some instances, like that that can happen. It but, can, yeah. And even in this, like as soon as that buck went down, like I'm like, nope, I'm gonna gut it out. I'm gonna you know dress it out. And it, and same thing happened to Euchre today. He's like, oh wait, are you guys gonna take care of it? Like, what? I don't I don't have to do that. It's like, no, no. That, that's why we're here. We're like, hunters. Yeah, we're hunters. Yeah. We take care of our animals. Like we're, we're not gonna, just rich dudes yeah, that are here. We're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're gonna pack it out. And and it's so funny when you look at their like their faces are like, it almost makes oh. you feel good. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay. So do I just sit here and watch? <laughs> like, yeah. Here's my phone. Take some pictures. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it's kind of no, cool. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things that was a lot of fun up there. Just like you know, the moon's come popping out, and you know we're getting elbows yeah. deep, and we're making it happen, and. For I don't sure. know. It for me again. It's that like it's the entire experience, and now I now I get to bring my meat home, and it, to be uh, like I like having my stuff processed sometimes, but I actually like to do it myself. I like to cut it up. I like to make my own sausages, and again, it completes that process. Is it necessarily like fun? Like, oh, do I want to go home every day and grind meat and like cut? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily fun, but it's super rewarding. Yeah, so, it's like a and, uh, it's like a self reward. Yeah. And I think what's crazy is that all of us that were on this um, hunt, uh, we're, we're all bringing our meat back to process it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's one of those things where it's like it, that that's kind of cool. Like, we're all it, consuming it, it, it in our own yeah. way. It completes the process, right? right. I, th- I think like it just it really. I, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. there's an intimacy yep. to it. As weird as that sounds, like you you know exactly. 
where that animal came yep. from. Yep. And, and sometimes, Who touched it? Yep. And even like, when you send it to a processor, sometimes you're like, well, am I getting my deer back? Am I getting my elk back? And you should be, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and most of the time you probably you, are. You probably but, are. But, but there's still know. a disconnect. Yep. There's a slight, small disconnect yep. versus and, like... And I have stuff... Pro- and I will say... There I, it is. I do have stuff stuff processed on occasion too. We but had a, we had a processing chance, sponsor yeah, for a do. long time. Yeah. We, and they're great. You know? But if I have the chance if, and if I have the time, I will... I prefer to do it myself. Yeah, yeah, there's people that do a phenomenal job because, like, that's, that's their That's profession. what I want to do next. I think I'm going to try and look for, a like, a meat grinder so mm-hmm. I can do my own burger. Sausage seems like kind of a chore. I don't, I've never done my own sausage. Like, uh, it, well, that's probably a tip for another podcast, but it's great. I love it. Yeah. I, do my, I do a lot of it. has a pretty awesome, it's pretty, awesome one. Yeah, it's actually right, pretty I'll simple. To, I'll have to dive in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so that was my experience. I went from absolutely nothing, seeing absolutely nothing, to on a single day seeing the most yeah. things in the most intense situations that I've ever seen him in to having then the perfect hunt, making the perfect shot. Um, and a stud of a and, mule deer. And it, and it was a really good mule deer. Like a, I, a great buck. Yep. And it's, you know, it's a... You're downplaying a little bit. Well, it's, it's a stud. It, you, I'll, I'll, bra- I'll humble brag here, for you. Success is not measured buck. in inches. It's nice to have a good... It's nice to have Biggest a... Biggest one shot of the year? A problem. year here, I would say. On the property? Pro, I mean, stud. at this Biggest point, one in camp? Probably. Like, well, in not the last just this week, You and Sierra kind of like mopped yeah. up the whole... I, I did okay Please. for myself. I did okay for myself. You did because you got a great. Because <laughs> I know that but everybody it was, but, can shoot a giant mule deer. <laughs> Lucas Bird. I like that. That's nice. Okay. No, but it was it was Very that nice. like that's the and the cumulative experiences. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know what, and I and I think Sam appreciated that too. It's like I mean, we put in a lot of miles together, and so that was. It's cool, man. You be you you create hunting buddies that. real fast. Yep. So and that then transitioned us to Kurt, back maybe, to Kurt. Maybe mopping it up, huh? Yeah, mopping it up. Last day, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so I got talked about in by the – well, you know, I had it was on the radar. Mostly like the doubt of like the bull hunting thing. We, talked we about offered it you an alternative to success. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I realized quick, I'm like, you know, I'm here. I'm in Oregon. Um, I might not ever get to come back to Oregon to hunt mule deer. I don't know. So I'm like – I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. Let's try this rifle out. And I really enjoyed it, actually. Like, shooting it, it, it felt good. I was pretty, I mean, Brandon, you shot it with, or I shot that rifle for the first time with you. Yeah. And I don't know if you kind of, like, sense my doubt in it a little bit. Like, Well, we just haven't done it. And this yeah. rifle, And too. that's the thing. Like, it's it, it wasn't really, I don't know if it would be called doubt, but, like, maybe a little bit of uncertainty. Uncertainty, yeah. Uncertainty or just, like unknown yeah right because you're going from shooting a bow the last 10 years to yeah. shooting a rifle and they, mm-hmm. there's like we talked about earlier in the podcast there's a lot of similarities but there's also a lot of differences yep. right? yeah. like you're not going to take a bow and be like ah, i'm gonna shoot that bucket 400 yards well it, with you gotta rifle. think back though too like in illinois like i've killed deer with muzzle loaders, but like for the shot i made on a doe with a muzzle loader um is 250 yeah and that's like I know that's far for a muzzleloader. I know that's far for yeah. Illinois. Like, would never shoot further than that. Haven't killed a deer in ten years with a gun. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. Hasn't been on my radar. I deleted it out of my mindset. Essentially, um, still respected it, not against it by any means, but just my personal radar wasn't there. Yep, it's a different passion. Well, different and, passion and. 
To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> You're in a different landscape. Different landscape. Completely. Yep. And that makes different a big difference. Landscape. What, what, in Illinois, you can't even hunt with rifle, right? There's, no ri- there's black powder rifle. So, they call them black powder rifles. It's a muzzle. I, I call that a rifle. forcing function. <laughs> it's like, so, oh, it's, I, not, it's not. Even if I wanted to, I can't. But it, like, <laughs> like the terrain is different. Yeah, it's all different. It's, it's a different species. Well, what got me a little more like interested in like one the engineering and technology and process of like rifle scopes. Once mm-hmm. I was in Portland or Beaverland and got to see the. Uh, Can we take a quick? Did you say Beaverland? <laughs> is it Beaverland? Beaverton. Beaverton. <laughs> Beaverton. Yeah, Beaverland sounds great, but it's Beaverton. That shows that I'm not from the area. So. <laughs> you know, the Portland. Portland. Beaverland. Beaverton. Sounds like an Beaverland. area, though, don't it? It's the Oregon of the world. Well, hey, we're just going to call it Beaverland. Okay, I like that. Yeah. That's where the cool no, manufacturer I didn't crosses. say it's Beaverland. No, I think we should petition to change the name, actually. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm all in. No bums allowed. Yep. All right. Um, I know Portland's got its issues. All right, let's be honest. Shows Chicago. They keep it weird, man. <laughs> Chicago's worse, I think. That's my that's my city. Um, yeah, I took the tour at Leupold, mm-hmm. and it got me interested in scopes because I got to see like the process and the. It was just cool. Yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed it. Shout out to our tour guide, yeah, Nick Kitlicka. He's he, that dude. Like, can he drops knowledge? He bombs. threw a lot of yeah. information at me, and we were talking today in camp that you were bringing up things that were kind of covered in the tour, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'll, I remember that because. Yeah. Because I'm also wicked smart. There's like two hours of a tour mm-hmm. that I'm trying to grasp all the information of, and he's showing me all the stuff back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Was well, cool. So anyway, well, not like that's one cool thing. I'm gonna interrupt you, but like no, you're fine. The fact that you get to actually see pretty much the entire manufacturing process. Oh, yeah. I saw it all. When you I mean, do it, that, and it's B- from because they're then. made right there. Yeah, yeah. that you you like you're not just seeing you like oh. <laughs> You're not just seeing like, oh, hey, here's the offices and here's the marketing department yeah. and here's our show. Manufactured in China, like, but we sell them here. Yeah, yeah. like you're actually <laughs> seeing, oh, hey, this is where mm-hmm. every single process. The whole deal. And it's, it's a pretty big manufacturing. I got to go in rooms like, that get- I probably shouldn't have even <laughs> been there. <laughs> there were some clean rooms and you were obviously dirty. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like this guy's got hand tattoos. Don't even let me look through this glass. He's got to put a smock on. No, you better put two on that guy. Like a smock for that. Top I saw people from bottom. a distance with lab coats. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that area. Keep me over here. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think that's really cool. It was that you, that you actually get to see the whole. It was amazing. It, it put a whole new respect mm-hmm. for me. It, the people, everyone there was awesome. Um, there are type of people. Um, and working class bow hunters, they all know what I'm talking about when I say our type of people. It, it's just, it's the real grit of who, what makes up hunters um, and our culture. And, um, it's, and it's manufacturing too, right? I mean, yeah. and that's like, there's a lot of manufacturing in the Midwest, which yeah. is interesting, but like, yeah. this is real manufacturing. I mean, we're taking for real raw aluminum. We're one of the biggest consumers of raw aluminum yeah. next to Boeing on the Your West Coast. Your guys is, and we, and, and we are building scopes from scratch, and we're not just we, yeah. we're not just shipping in. Compo- we're building components. We're building scopes. We're building all that yeah. stuff from scratch. The people who work at Loophole are the same people who listen to Working Class Bowhunter yeah. podcast. The same people that message us say, "Hey, I work in a machine shop. I do this, mm-hmm. and this, and this." It's the same people. Yeah. It really is. Like I got that vibe. I got the flavor. 
and I feel like it was like recognized too when I was on like the shop floor essentially and, and seeing all, everyone and kind of talking to people. Yep. It was cool. Um, but anyway, going back to it, like, yeah, I just kind of had a, a connected feel, shot the rifle a little bit, changed it up. Um, I don't remember where we like really into the story. But you actually were probably well, so I just so going I, into what you yeah I shot transition the, the biggest buck ever known to this area group area. Uh, not area the there's, world. Some, there's some big bucks coming off here but um, <laughs> basically we're just saying that I'm amazing you're cool and I after I failed miserably I backed it up with success and now it was your turn okay to do the same right so we brought her down to the wire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much had been everywhere. I feel like on this, on this, on this whole area. Me and Gordy have tore it up. I think we put in. F- can, we, can we talk about Gordy Fast for friends. a second? Fast friends. Can yeah. We talk, can we talk about Gordy for a yeah, second? Yeah, we can talk about Gordy. Like when we just say Gordy, people are like, "Oh, Gordy, the guy." Dude, Gordy He's is seventy-four. Seventy-four, seventy-five. He's seventy-four. Seventy-four-year-old dude. He's a mountain man wearing a pair of way too baggy of camo like, pants, canvas jeans, canvas yeah. type pants. Um, doesn't get tired. Not what for, you should really be wearing. Hiking in the woods, mule deer hunt. Not the most efficient. The guy has – he's a recurve hunter. Not technical gear is what you're yeah. trying to say. Non-technical you know that? He's, gear. He's a recurve hunter pretty yep. much. Um, that's why he got – me. well, I don't want to say got stuck with me. You, but you, you, no, you were going to say it. It's it's real. But you that's, know what I mean, though. They put Gordy with me because I was a, I'm a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. You're a bow hunter, and he's a hardcore recurve yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. And we kind of – we related on that. He's, he has shot compounds a lot. He's hunting with compounds. Dude, and 74 years old uh-huh. and just like – but, I'm just going to hike yeah. up this mountain. You know, I, I talked to him about that a little bit. I don't know if I like told you guys. We were, mm. we were riding around. I'm like, how do you do it, man? Like, at 74, like, I, I have a hard time getting around these hills and stuff because it's new to me. Like, at that your age, like, I know guys that are 60 that uh, have a hard time in Illinois. Like, what do you do? He goes, basically, this is what he said. I never quit doing it. And I guess he just walks all the time in the off season and hunting. He's like, I never quit moving. He goes, even though I'm retired, I'm up and I'm moving and I do things. He goes, I, I'm never complacent, pretty much. That you know, he doesn't just sit in his rocking chair at home. And I will say that, like, I'm just gonna bring up this point. If there are any older listeners out there, just get out there and move. Yeah. Just do because, something because we celebrated a birthday this week for Russ. He turned 71. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how old Sam is, but Gordy's 74. Sam's 205. <laughs> he's 300 years old. He acts like he's 32. But, so. but like a, a lot of the yeah. guys that were out here are amazing. All amazing. Yeah. Uh, amazing dudes. And some older guys. Yeah. But yeah. just yeah. keep swimming. Just I mean, keep swimming. And I we're, just keep we're in yeah. our For real. 20s and 30s, and these dudes are like, dude. In our 60s and 70s, they're crushing boop, 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 it. Going crushing up the down the first mountains. mountain here in Oregon, so I'm be behind active. Gordy, and I'm like, Oh God, I'm tired. But like my body was getting like acclimated, and then I was like, yeah. I, I feel like I would get tired, but then I'd recover quickly. Get tired, recover quickly. Um, but, but be be active. Yeah, it was yeah. impressive, man. Yep. Get get outside and do something. It was impressive. Um, man, back. To, I can't remember. To where we're at. we're we're. We're shooting guns. You okay. transition. Anyway, shot the gun. You're I get an into a shot. Everyone's super jealous of my buck. 
It, yeah, we're just like so jealous. <laughs> no, um, we're way past that. You're so jelly. Being we're, jelly is your jam. We're way past that. So I get talked into like, hey, chase him with the rifle. This is where we're at with the bow hunting thing. So I go after it. Um, and we just didn't see sh- much, really. <laughs> we didn't see shit. I was going to say it, so I'm going to jump in and say it. Um, it. Well, the weather set in, like, prematurely. Yeah, it like, did. We kind of, so... We woke out, up. It came in of nowhere. It went five, from seventy. I don't like, know even two, know what day it is. Anymore. It went from seventy-two degrees to like, hey, I'm gonna be fifty-five in the rain. Yeah. Well, after and the, it was, after the, boat, the rain wasn't supposed to come in until this afternoon, and yeah. this morning it came in hot, and it, it cold and heavy. And I said, oh, just kidding, I won't get on you. Yeah. Well, I, I got to add too is like after that bow experience when we were in the mountain pinch, we didn't see. I didn't see a buck really worth worth shooting after that. Like a shootable buck didn't happen. No. And so I get up this morning. I'm like, all right, today and tomorrow is the last days. Here we go. I'm in Oregon. This is a, a rarity. I fly home here soon, and we got to see what happens. We get up. I got the rifle. Different level for me. Like different, different, uh, op- different opportunities are going to come up because it's like if you can see one, you can maybe figure out how to shoot it, right. which is weird to me. Unless you forget to take your safety off. That's a, that's a fact. And, and honestly, and that or, stuff's running through my and head. Or decide just to not shoot it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's running through my head too a little bit. So we go out this morning, rains on us. We hike a lot. I'm tired at this point. I'm. It's just for me. It's been a long run of like hills, and um, I should just keep it going. I'll be in great shape when I do this stuff next year. Um, but I'm just kind of feeling the mental exhaustion a little bit and the physical exhaustion. Nothing. Rain. We're thinking about what to do. We go into a spot um, near where Brandon shot his buck, but we go in a little. Well, did we go in further, or is it the same area? No, we. I mean, we made a very similar loop. Yeah, so we did this walk in, but and this, I'm was, like, this was after loops. this was after the several mile walk in where I got mine yesterday. Yeah, like we so we went in to find the other bucks that yep. you want the big boy you missed, just in case they decided to stick around. Yeah, you, we, you never know. Yeah, you never. They know. They were in there, so we went and tried, and we hit up this drainage, and I'm like. It's rainy, so I have my hoodie on to keep myself from getting like chilled to the bone, but I'm hot and sweaty, and then I'm walking up, and I'm like, I'm just feeling, I think I'm feeling a little bit of the altitude, and I'm feeling the exhaustion of the hunt. The grind. And total, and the Type grind. Type two fun. And this, I, was this today? I mean, I got tired before, but like, I feel like today was the first day I was kind of like complaining about being tired, you know? Like I, I feel like you noticed today. It, today was when you dropped some random words out there every once in a while, hiking up the hills. Yeah, I was dropping curse words just randomly, just to get myself through it. You know, I drop an f bomb ah, and get up the hill. <laughs> like it, it's necessary sometimes. You know, <laughs> just a it's, little bit. It's like an exhaustion thing you have to just do, especially at, at, when you're not used to it. Anyway, but you never really slowed down. You didn't think? Not really. You crushed no. it. Not really. Wow, like, I feel I like mean, you did. You were cranky about crushing it, but you crushed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, point is, I crushed it. That's so, right. Um, yeah, okay. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll deal with that one for sure. Because yeah. I, w- I would expect you guys to say that I was being... No, you crushed it, dude. Okay. That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, your, your, your listeners would be proud. So, be proud. But <laughs> Thank you. Here's a question. <laughs> How much of that exhaustion was... Mental versus physical. Mm. Like, if you were to throw a 
percentage out there of and mental, like it was and men- this percentage mental it was this percentage and mental physical. kind of based on emotional too right where it's yeah, like yeah i mean kind know, of feeds yeah, into each yeah, other emotional 100 percent. i'd say of that, i'd like, say oh man today like today was a little the grind of like oh i'm not seeing much i would like, say yesterday was 60 percent uh 60 percent mental 40 percent physical i would say today Oh man, I don't know that stuff. Today might have been the it might have been fifty fifty, mm-hmm. which you know lowers down physically, which makes it harder to get to where you want to be. Yep. And then your mental aspects has dropped down, to, so you're you're kind of meeting them both halfway there. Yeah. Well, I can tell you after the first three days, my, I was seventy percent mentally Mental. exhausted. I could tell. Thirty percent, I, I like physical. I was like, we can keep going and going and going. Yeah. But seventy, I was just like, ooh, I like we've really like, especially when everybody else is having success and you're grinding. And I grinding could tell with you for sure because yeah. you expressed it to us, and and I I was getting there with you. Yeah. I just think that that mental aspect of hunting is it's you got intriguing. It. Yeah, it, it is, is intriguing. Like, I think it's because, very like, intriguing. I actually like, love oh, the breakdown nothing, of it because you nothing. you live in that that mental space for so long, mm-hmm. and so what we did today is we went to a spot that um, I hadn't been, mm-hmm. and we went and it was raining, and we came back and we ate, had a quick snack, mm-hmm. we and we went back out, and, and we talked about going to that spot because it was raining hard, the wind was blowing really hard, hard, it was, yeah, it was the. Um, opposite side of uh, a plateau of the wind, so we knew there would be a wind break in there. Yeah, we had, people had seen animals in that side, and so it's like, you know what? On a miserable day where it's raining hard, the wind's blowing hard. Yeah, this is where they should hole up if they're yeah. there. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick before we finish the rest of the story, so you guys like carry on. I'm That's, just calling yeah. it obvious. So no, I can it's do it. it's actually super interesting because uh, this is your part of the story, and you're going to the and bathroom. You're just- and you're like, he's like, hey guys, just totally carry on. Yeah, just on bailing out us. My part honest. of the story. Uh, so it's uh, even when we were up on the uh, uh, the other the back forty where I had gotten my buck, uh, the rain really set in, and even there, it's like, you know, you you, you have to when the weather changes drastically, you think, well, what are the animals going to do mm-hmm. when? When that happens, and you kind of look at what are you going to do? It's like, well, you're going to find shelter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I mean, so it's like you're very similar you're in that a tree. Aspect. You're going to be away from the wind and all that stuff. And so that's you know, those are the places where we started looking. But that was the interesting spot about that. So, um, you know, while Kurt, I, I think one while, thing, he's, while he's going to the bathroom, what I thought was interesting is that again, just to, I guess the dedication to the process is that even after today. That area that we went, I had I had been in there then for now five full days almost, mm-hmm. and even of those five days, there was only one day that I saw bucks in there. Yeah, and, and that one day there was four shooter bucks in there, the biggest one I had ever seen. But you take any of the other days holistically away from that, and you'd be like, "This is the worst place ever to hunt." But, but I think that's one thing we should crazy. touch on real quick, just since you're kind of going into that is the fact that you had mentioned one thing of trust your guide. Yeah. And I haven't been on a lot of guided hunts. Actually, I've been on very few mm-hmm. guided hunts. Um, but but the fact that one thing that was very consistent in camp is in the area that you were hunting was, from what I gathered, there's not a ton of deer. You don't see much. But, but when, when you do you see do, it... do. 
it is a megalodon. Yeah. And so it's it, but and that held true. Mm-hmm. And so it it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you you go out there, you see three deer. You go out there, you see two deer. You see one deer. Like you're hardly seeing anything. Mm-hmm. But yet you come back and everyone's like, "Oh, that you know, there's not a lot there. But, Trust the process. But when you do, there's giants. Trust the process. When you go, you just never know. And then, and day, that's and day that's, four. You show up, and it's like, yep. Oh, that. Yeah, I just saw the four or five biggest deer I've ever seen yep. in my entire life. And that's where you know, putting in the work, like the the work, pays off. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but and then in getting back to even now back to Kurt's story, yeah, where back. it's like. <laughs> Sorry, where like mm, in that, nice. it, in that call it, you know, there's like that's where the work pays off, and then it's like okay, now back to day five, they're gone again, and mm-hmm. so it's like, when are they going to show back up? Who knows? It might it, be five days from now. Yeah, it could be five days Who from knows? now because they, I mean, and you know they're there, yeah. but they're not going to expose themselves. They're yeah. smart. They're big. They, yep. and there's there's so much cover to be had there. They're, and so it's like you, we don't have five more days to wait. Especially after yeah. shooting going on in the yep. area and all that. Yeah. So yep. anyway, we run through this area that we go through, and it's kind of like our midday plan, and we have a, an evening plan. But in the evening, it's supposed to rain like crazy. The weather's not supposed to be nice. We're getting ready to leave. I'm going to fly back. We're going to Portland. I'm going to fly back to Illinois. Um, so in my mindset, things are tapering out. It's time to make some moves. We go in, and I'm kind of like, it's it's sort of crappy, kind of raining, really windy. We we pack through. I'm kind of in a, it's time to think about some things type of situation, you know. I don't know if that's fair. So we go through, we make our way around. We we get up this big hill. I'm tired. We <laughs> we, make, <laughs> we make it through like this uh, real piney area that's like a steep hill, and the wind is howling. And the wind is howling into this piney air. And I'm like, if I was a big buck, I would not be bedded in here because it's cold. I'm going to be bedded like somewhere out of the wind and another draw. Mm-hmm. So we end up making our way around, get up to a point where we're sneaking, sneaking, sneaking. We're like, all right, we're going to glass this like, uh, I guess it, well, it would be like a canyon, a draw. It, it was like a... Kind of like a series it, of it's a series of draws that creates a bowl. Yeah, we're essentially sitting yeah, like on the, on up the, on top of a. There's rim. some rim rock there. Yeah. yeah, we're essentially sitting up on top of a plateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking down into on a the bunch very of, like, most training. north side of this plateau, so we can see this like it's like a half bowl right. that yep. runs around, and we can see this whole cutout and rim rock and yep. and uh, pretty cool actually. juniper. It was really cool. And it, there's a giant field in the bottom of this. Yep, or it, like a big flat it in the bottom feels of this like mule deer yeah yeah it's like kind of a hidden flat from any other access point other than where we are sitting yeah and and you're able to glass there and see kind of like you're talking that big bowl that has all these mm. fingers and these little ridges yep. and yeah it's a it actually happened to play out really well the way the wind was the blowing wind was perfect. Yeah. because it had it it Forces those deer in that bull into that situation, like yeah. into that. And we position. moved to the far side of that to where we actually could use the wind in our favor, as opposed yeah. to if we had come yeah. from the other direction, it would have been a terrible. But what, what's funny about this country is like going back to a little bit to your story, uh, Lucas, and even a little bit to all our stories. This country's so big, like you start glassing with your binos, with your spotting scope, whatever, and you don't see anything at first. 
But when you really run the the comb through it, you're like, oh, there's some does. Like you spotted the does first, I think. Mm-hmm. There's some does yeah. way down in that 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 big the center drain. We, we were spotting them at 600 yards away, and then Kurt says, "Well, what about that buck that's looking at us at 275?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "There's a buck right here looking at me." Yeah, and you guys are like, "Where?" And I'm like, "Right here next to this dead tree." And there's this buck bedded staring right at us. And I'm like, "Well, I guess if you don't want us to stare at the does at 600 yards, <laughs> you can look at something you might want to shoot that's closer." Well, whatever. well, I'm looking at something with antlers at 270. <laughs> Yards. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the does being optimistic, like, could there be a buck behind them? Right. You know, I'm like, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I'm like, looking up and down, like, oh, there's a buck looking at me, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't look that big. So, so this is like a 20-minute process? Yep, the process begins. And, you this. know, keep in mind, we're down the last wire. I'm in Oregon. I don't get to ever hunt here. I'm like, what do you guys think? It's your decision, dude. Yep. And he's not a bad buck. No. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's awesome. I, in my head, I'm thinking, like, I wanted maybe a little bigger. I don't know. But then again, the one I had an opportunity with the bow um, a few days prior was was maybe a little smaller than this buck, yeah. maybe the same size as this buck. And I'm like, well, if I was willing to shoot that buck with my bow, right. why would I not be willing to shoot this buck right now, right. close to the last day? Here he is bedded at 275. He's in the open. I can shoot him. Everybody's here. We've got the camera. It'd be an awesome experience. We could pack him out, have a good time tonight. The weather's going to get shitty. But then I'm like, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to talk myself into that, this. And, and that goes again back to what's your expected experience yep which again it goes back to it's not necessarily about the kill it's about how what's that experience feel like around the around that like right it's just like how when that buck walked in with my bow i got that adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. and it felt right so i drew my bow Mm -hmm. and i was like oh don't have to think about it there he is it was so exciting it was up close so in this i'm thinking about all these scenarios i'm playing through everything like Okay, in a day, do I want to be on a plane in Oregon going, flying home from my amazing Oregon mule deer hunt that I might not get to go back on again, and you didn't take advantage of opportunities that were given to you? What are you thinking? You're going back to Illinois saying... With nothing. With nothing. You you went on this trip that you got this opportunity, you didn't capitalize on it, and now you got to go home and explain to everyone how everyone at work and I, and that that's little, sorry, honey, yeah. I didn't put any meat in the freezer. Yeah, and that's a big factor too. I want mule deer meat, man. Like, yeah. we, my family lives off wild game meat. Because would you would you do when you? Well, we can get so, into that later, so, halfway through the process. So, anywho, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shoot this deer. He's right there. This is going to be awesome. And then you guys are like, you sure you're going to do this? I'm like, let's shoot him. So then it was like, all right, it's on, baby. Let's do this. Game time. <laughs> Brandon gets out the camera. Everybody's getting ready, watching him. I, I pull my pack up to the rock, get on him. And I'm like, all right, you boys ready? And everyone's like, yep, on them. <laughs> he stands up, no shoulder, well up and down. Done like a Done. sniper. We walk up. First animal I've ever killed with a rifle. One shot, one kill. It was awesome. Great footage. Super cool. Super pumped, man. First mule deer ever. And I'm amazed by how big their bodies are. Like Big body. He had the body of a big, big whitetail buck. Like a big, heavy whitetail buck. I was actually really surprised. The smell of him <laughs> was so different from a whitetail. In, in my experience, someone else might be like, oh, they're the same to me. I didn't think he smelled anything like any white tail I've ever killed. 
Like I didn't enjoy the smell. Whitetails, I'm like, yeah, ruddy buck. I love that. <laughs> but but that might be how I was. I grew up. You know. It, you know what I mean? It might be like. Just what I'm used to, but I was like, I didn't enjoy his. It was very pungent. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't enjoy, enjoy it. Smell. it you, to me, it was like, ooh, he stinks. What'd you think about your antelope smell when you. I enjoyed the antelope smell. Oh, really? Yeah. <sighs> Do you not like it? No, most people. I love antelope meat. It's my favorite meat, yeah. actually, of all wild game. It's amazing. Um, I love but it too. animal smell is very pungent, and most people find it very pungent. I, I really enjoyed Isn't the antelope weird? smell more than I thought. My buddies told me, like, dude, if you kill an antelope, they're very weird smelling. Like, yeah. it's in, once you touch them, you can't get it off. Yeah. That's... And I actually I enjoy the smell of sage more than I thought. Yeah. And to me, they smell like a sagey dog. Oh. Did you roll in it like a dog? I. Handled the cape and I I loved it honestly. Yeah. Did you sleep so with the, it like a I guess blanket? that kind of explains some things. <laughs> you you have been acting things. weird, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the mule deer smelled weird to me. I thought like, I mean, not like uh, it was weird. It was, I'm glad I got to smell it. It's a strong smell. Yeah, yeah, For but sure. it's not like a ruddy Midwestern whitetail. No, and maybe no, Western whitetail smell like that because the area. I you know I have not been in the Midwest. I would yeah, assume it's very similar because it's gonna it all it's gonna come down to the, what they eat, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's true. I made that up completely on the spot, <laughs> but it feels really legitimate. <laughs> anyway, I shot myself a buck, and I'm very proud of it. And two seventy five. I mean, smoked it. Perfect shot right out the gate. I mean, and that yeah. thing went maybe fifteen yards, and and was done. Yeah, it was, it was just a wonderful shot. Thank you, man. I, I will say this: like, it, was that, it, was, it was really cool to watch, like you transition from grinding it out with a bow to being mm-hmm. totally amazing, jumping into <laughs> something that you're like honestly not completely comfortable with to be yeah. totally but, amazing, but embracing <laughs> it. And becoming totally amazing. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but, it was but like fun. E- embracing that and applying the things that you've learned from your bow hunting tactics. Yeah, it's really it was really into cool. yeah. the rifle aspect of it, and and taking a very similar approach in like that finesse, aim small, miss small. Yep. And right, right. Every single time I saw you shoot, whether it was at the target or whether it was at that buck, was very thought out and processed. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate made, that, man. Like a yeah. phenomenal shot. Like I've seen a lot of people shoot, and a lot of people don't make like proper shots. But mm-hmm. like you did an amazing job mm-hmm. of executing in those situations. And yeah, I, I, I appreciate I was that, man. That's a big impressed. compliment like, for me. And for me, it was cool to just sit back and be yep. able to film it and watch it and and take that in because I don't get a lot of those opportunities. Um, and to be able to see that, it it just it gave me a different perspective on both sides of it, on the archery side, yeah, and on the rifle side, and how many similarities there are. Uh, and, and I thought that was really cool. I appreciate that, man. That's a big, big compliment. Yeah, it was awesome. And you got to do the gutless method on, uh, yeah, 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 getting that that bad boy out. We quartered him out, and you guys had uh, Lucas had his uh, game bags. Thank you for that, and knives. And uh, probably not normal for 
like most Midwest people probably never even no. see that gutless method. No, because most places we can, uh, we just gut them. Mm-hmm. And then we can get a side by side, a four wheeler or a truck down to them. I mean, it might suck the drag, but like you normally like, I can't on a sp- game card or drag. We have it's sleds. Flat, like right? my, one of my big bucks last year, yeah. we put them on a sled, and my me and my buddy Austin Chandler pulled it out, and mm-hmm. it, it was a pain in the ass. But um, most times, you can kind of like struggle your way to where you can get a truck. And then you get them out, and, and it's fine. Uh, I have thought about that. Some spots, I'm like, I might have to just like gut this deer, then cut them in half, mm-hmm. and then get them out in two pieces, which would be nice. But um, yeah, like we had no choice. Even it wasn't that far to the top of the ridge at this point. It was straight um, up. We had to. We had to quarter them out. We had mm-hmm. to. There's no way you're going to drag them up. It just would have been impossible. And it yeah. completes the process. It's a fun process. It was cool. And it's like you don't. You don't lose any meat. Is that mm-hmm. to me? It's actually a cleaner process. Yeah, you don't mess with guts or urine or like anything weird. You yeah, know? like it, the the finished product of the harvested meat is actually cleaner. Mm-hmm. I agree. Me. I mean, it, and, it was and cool. You man, get it all. You get the neck meat, tenderloins, back straps. Mm-hmm. Yep, all of it. I mean, he was a good three by three, it's and cool. uh, I'm calling him a three by three. Yep, Dang he's right. uh not the biggest muley. In camp, but man, I'm I'm damn proud of him. Especially, you should be, especially be from the Midwest. He's real pretty. You notice that his tips are, are white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was really pumped about that. So he's gonna make an awesome skull mount. Got some cool plans. I'm gonna do like the state of Oregon, like wood plaque with the, like adjustable skull mount on them, and get the old loophole logo engraved on the plaque, and some you know something like real cool looking that sets him aside from my experience that yep. embodies the hunt. And I might do like. Sure. A group photo from camp, like in a frame next to the skull, or something real cool to just remember it. And cool thing is, like I've never eaten mule deer, and now I got mule deer meat for the family. Heck yeah! And my wife's already really excited about it. Yeah, so. it's cool. Yeah, because when I mean, she was you pretty much called her and was like, "All right, what are we gonna do with this thing?" Yeah. Now she <laughs> she's like, oh, "Okay, we need, we're gonna make steaks and yeah. we're gonna make this and this." If I don't Start include my wife out. into the like process because so for me it's different because i can't drive you guys live within driving distance from Mm -hmm. here so my stuff's getting milled back so i'm gonna have it processed here in oregon and then shipped back home um which is really cool for me because i would honestly stress out if i had to fly with it um (laughs) i'm just a worry wart though but yeah i have to call my wife and be like hey what do we want to do um you know what i mean because she eats it you know she eats it uh she's probably I wouldn't say she's I, – actually, I would probably would say she's more excited about eating it than I am. I think that she gets enjoyment. She's earthy, as yeah. Lucas would say. You know, she likes the, the organic meat and, like, the like the health of it and, like, the, the thought of where it comes from. So, But anyway, man, it was awesome. Great trip. Everybody tagged out. It's good times. Yeah. I think we kind of peeled the meat from that bone. Yeah, dude, we did a long, long podcast. We might have to break this up into a couple. That's right. We got her done. Do we have any parting thoughts? Um, I just want to say I'm thankful for you guys and your guys' effort on coming along my hunting all the way down to the end. Um, It shows that, like, you know, even though we're from different areas of the country, we've never met before this hunting camp. It shows that like-minded people get along really well with one common interest. And it just makes me feel good about, about, like, the hunting community and kind of like what the future holds because kind of like what we're doing now in 20 years it's it's us still in this game and that are going to influence the next round of people in this in this industry yeah. brandon I, I agree 100 percent, and i think tomorrow should be predator control and 
continue on and think that this should not be the last trip of the three amigos. I think we need to meet in Montana at one point. Montana, mm, yeah. huh? Mm. We are the three <laughs> amigos. Yeah. We are the three <laughs> amigos. Is that official? And amigos, we always will be. <laughs> that is from the group, <laughs> by the way. If you don't know, Lucas is the master of singing. <laughs> All right. He's the camp. <laughs> karaoke well, and, and and actually Sierra you would be part of this crew if you didn't bail out early we we love you and appreciate you what you gonna do no? at the end of the day if you ain't here you can't you be part of the crew we are the four <laughs> amigos <laughs> minus we one we are the four <laughs> amigos <laughs> except for one who left us Today, so good, so smooth. It is smooth. (laughs) Well, I always close the show on working class with "Go shoot your bow," but I think that that doesn't really apply for this podcast because it was kind of a mixed batch of it all. Go adventure, yeah. Go adventure. Get out there, create your moment, enjoy the experience. Make it count, man. There it is. Thanks, guys. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.